Welcome everyone to Cafe Booleans. Uh, my name is Alex. We're joined by Costa, John, and Susanna. Welcome to the cafe. Um, yeah, today is going to be an episode to prep everyone for the Global Game Jam coming up. If you're listening to this when it comes out, uh, it's coming up tomorrow because um, it's be coming out on the Thursday. Um, but we have to start it off with a pretty big story for um, our industry, which is that Microsoft uh, is buying or has bought is buying um, Activision Blizzard for sixty eight point seven billion dollars. What? What? <laughs> That's everyone, news to me. What the hell? John, everyone in the cafe will hear you. Oh, sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty big, isn't it? Huge. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's um it's pretty interesting. And you know, by the time you're listening to this, this news would have been a bit it's a week old and it's twenty twenty two, so that might as well have been a couple of years ago. So, <laughs> you know, hearing what comes out afterwards is gonna be pretty interesting. Um you know, uh the latest that's come out recently is Sony's comment on it, which is uh in quotes, we expect that Microsoft will abide by the contractual agreements and continue to ensure Activision games are multi platform. Um, so that's real interesting. That's pretty litigious talk, I guess, to, uh, you know, uh, who gets the, this, who gets that. And, well, but there's, there's yeah. a lot of gray areas with that, you know, of like, obviously like to have a contract that would say, you know, yeah. the, the games, but is that ensuring future games? Is it ensuring the current? Well, you notice um, Phil Spencer, head of Xbox, his comments on it. Uh, on Twitter being tweet, yeah. we will honor existing uh, existing contracts but again notice that it's saying existing mm. um, yeah and again always when these sort of things happen they're very general statements and not really getting into specifics because I would assume that you know in the long run Xbox will try to make things exclusive to Game Pass. But I think, I mean, it's it, it's an interesting one because it still brings in business. Like if they had, you know, say Call of Duty on PlayStation, I think that's one of the highest selling games on PlayStation still. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they, you know, splice it and figure out what works. Yeah, I was listening to something today where they were speculating because I think Call of Duty currently is as yearly releases. And they're wondering mm. whether that's now going to change. And I mean, that's like a minor detail in the grand mm. scheme of things. But I guess that's a good example of all the little things that players have come to expect from these franchises that may actually be different now, now that they've got someone else at the head. Mm. Well, yeah. Well, in his tweet, like Phil Spencer said that, um, like, that they'll exonor- honor existing agreements, but it also talks about their desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Hmm. But like, yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> but I thought it was cute. He said Sony is an important part of our industry and we value our relationship. I think, yeah, the, uh, the, how would you say it? Like the company ethos or whatever of Sony and Xbox, they've kind of like, like, I feel like you can kind of see how this is going to go. I don't think Xbox is going to care because Xbox was the one that was super cool with um, crossplay. Um uh, both, I was reading somewhere that both have roughly, I think it, this is PS4, PS5, along with, um, oh, who's that? He's just joined the cafe. <laughs> Someone just walked in. <laughs> Someone just walked in. Dan, can we get you a coffee? Who is this fine, sir? How are you, Dan? Come join Dan the table. Dan's on everybody. 
No, so I didn't didn't want to, uh, you know, uh, blow the conversation there and fracture it. But yeah, I mean, I'm just interested um, to kind of jump in and also hear what your guys' perspective on it, which is pretty interesting from a developer standpoint. Yeah, well, definitely keen to hear hear what uh, what you make of this, um, especially what it means for the player and the consumer, because that's always yeah. seems to be your bottom line on uh, on LinkedIn <laughs> and stuff. Is how does the player get affected? But um, yeah, well, yeah. Well, for me, it's like a you know being old i look back when <laughs> time, when i was a you know my second job out of university was at warner media which is one of the biggest you know media corporations in the world still is i think it's like number 98 in the fortune 500 in the states and just as i was leaving to come to australia and make games they they merged with america online which was an internet provider and that was a 164 billion dollar purchase aol bought Time Warner, which included oh. cable holdings, the movie studio, uh, you know, uh, Turner Networks, like, you know, massive. And was, you think about that 20 years ago, that was a massive chunk of change. But if you look at what's happened since then, they, it was all about what was the content and what was the value of the content that they were making. And they made no moves to try to make that exclusive. If anything, AOL kind of fell apart after about three years because everybody was offering you know, internet connectivity and, um, and, you know, Warner media was like, we're a media company mm. and that's mm. where, that's what they're called now. They're called Warner media mm. and they merged with AT&T about four or five years ago. And it was still the same thing. It was getting more of the media content that they had to be able to compete with Disney into mm. consumers' hands. So I think that's the perspective I always have, you know, Xbox is a really significant brand of Microsoft, obviously, but we're talking like how many trillions of dollars is Microsoft worth now yeah. that they could yeah. throw 70 billion out? Like, you know, they just bought somebody a nice lunch. You know, yeah. here's, here's, mean, a, here's a Rolex you, and you a video game studio. You <laughs> mentioned yeah. Dis Disney. Um, do you think that that is maybe a good parallel where Disney mm. somehow has come out with their own streaming platform that has worked because they have such strong IP? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And now Microsoft can do the same thing because they have such strong IP. Well, on top yeah. of what they already had. Yeah. We think but if you it. think about yeah. it, like, you know, Disney responds to Netflix. Mm. They're, they're not responding to a lot of other stuff. And, and it's the core of the brand. Mm. And, you know, it's funny. I was having kind of a discussion with, you know, a good friend of ours, James Marshall, about, you know, the concern that when a big media company gets into the game space... There's the danger of independent developers who create really great grassroots IP getting squeezed out of the market. But that well, obviously hasn't been the case with Netflix. They've created a lot of opportunity for people, you know, to make stuff like Stranger Things and some really cool niche stuff out there like Squid Game when it never happened mm -hmm. through Time Warner Media, for example, or Disney. That wouldn't have been where they went. But it definitely creates like layers in the cake. You know, it's hard to go triple-a console when mm. you know the, the studios are owned by massive media companies with nearly infinite amount of resources if you want to go out and make the next call of duty you know you, you're you know, you're going to have just a massive amount of cash to do that now as activision blizzard even more than they had before but the bottom line is the investors and the shareholders of microsoft are going to want to see every single possible customer playing a call of duty game and what they're not going to want to see is that game limit itself in terms of what channels it could go through and that's my perspective like i just saw the third uh the new spider-man film today like oh, it was awesome. so yeah, good i saw, saw and, that last week yeah very cool so good and again like not spoiling anything for listeners 
clearly Sony and Disney are like, this is a universe that we want everyone to participate in. And we're going to keep rebooting it and refreshing it, you know, in a year where they killed off James Bond, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, all of these significant brands that Microsoft has invested in, it's all about creating, you know, as much high quality content and high quality player attraction as possible for it. And and that's definitely my perspective. That's what investors want. So, yeah, so that's the thing to the, um, I guess the bottom line question is how, how does this affect the players? Is it, is this only good can come from this or is it, are we wow. moving into, is it all just going to become a bland gray landscape? Cause they're like, well, we own everything. What are you going to do? Hmm. I don't know, man. I mean, if, if for me, like again, being an old war horse, you know, the more saturated the market gets, you know, and the more product gets pumped into the market. And when you're looking at hundreds of billions of dollars being put into the video game market, they're going to pump out a lot of games. They're going to want eyeballs on those games. But, you know, in almost every other media besides games, that's always led to more diversification and niche and really specialist stuff. And if anything, a lot of the audience won you know, over the years, like people may be angry about Disney's acquisition of a bunch of brands, but they sure listened when they made some crappy Star Wars films, and, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they responded. You know, I yeah. still think Book Above Effect's like the worst thing I've seen in decades. It's like it's absolutely <laughs> nauseating. But, um, but you know, they, they, they still went out and did some pretty cool stuff and, you know, and they pushed it a bit and not to constantly parallel. Yeah you know, film and television with games, but it's all media now, you know, and I know that's what these big multinationals tend to think like, you know. I think folks like Rockstar, you know, when they got off the Sony platform and then they started doing GTA games for all platforms, that's obviously what they wanted to do, you know, Mm -hmm. and and these studios need people like that, including the Russo brothers who are getting into it now, you know, and Mm -hmm. and you look at Take-Two picking up Zynga, let's not forget Mm -hmm. that, that was a show. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, 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 twelve billion, you know, and that's everybody going like we gotta, we gotta be everywhere in the market that we can be because we know that this is where the audience is yeah. moving I, to. I wonder how much it's linked as well to because I remember Microsoft uh, months ago. You know, they brought out their own metaverse pitch. You yeah. know, after the whole like Facebook Meta thing started and everyone was doing it, um, <laughs> Microsoft did their pitch and they were showing the you know online communication. I think people were joking about it because all the three D people in there didn't have legs. <laughs> people were talking about how weird it was Cut your legs off. Um, but I do wonder how much the whole kind of metaverse trend at the moment is uh, connected to these big companies buying up a lot of the other IP to kind of give them more content to put into their metaverse yeah look Susanna's got a look on her face like she's just uh, are you laughing are you laughing you've been quiet hey, yeah look I know my I know my perspective on it, having been in the dot-com business since 97, man. Mm. It's all bullshit. That's the key, th- that's the key bit, yeah. dot-com. That's the best way to compare yeah. what's it's, going on. It's all on. bullshit. It's yeah. all yeah. Yeah. for the episode. That's the 10-second clip that's going on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm totally with Keanu Reeves doing the giggle meme yeah, 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 yeah. about Zuckerberg. Like, come on. Nobody can own that. And that was the thing. That's why I referenced that AOL thing. It's like AOL was the internet in America. Like that mm, You Got yeah. Mail movie was made about America Online. Yeah. Like it used their own yeah. lerps and everything. And it became worthless within four years. I wonder if these, uh, if this acquisition is like trying to set up, you know, from e- Xbox's perspective, like a network between all these different games, like kind of like how the multiverse is playing out in these movies. You know, they're having characters interact with other characters in all these mm, different yep. um, 
in different well, movies. Fortnite. Yeah, well, and, and that's right. Yeah. And I wonder uh-huh. if now you know content is king on on uh, on yep. these platforms, and you know Microsoft. It'd be interesting to see if they'll you know they'll try to tie in these games together. And I wonder if that was the selling point to you know from Xbox uh, from Phil Spencer to Satya Nadella of, of hey, this is how we can do our own metaverse. You know, as a as a way to convincing Microsoft. Look, man, I'll, I'll make one point and then I will shut up because I, I do. I mean, I'm interested in Susanna's perspective on that because she was grimacing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Microsoft totally missed out on the mobile market. Like, they blew it. Mm. They absolutely blew it. And that would be resonating in that company. You know, mm. they totally missed out. And now Google is, you know, toe to toe and able to get to all those customers through that platform. And Microsoft, like, they went out and bought Sony Ericsson, you know, they had a friendly deal with Sony back then, and they, and they stuffed it up. So that mm. that would still be echoing in their corporate brand. What do you reckon, Susanna? Yeah, well, I think it's a little bit uh, convenient timing for Activision Blizzard. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, you know, we're, in, we're having these issues, we're having these kind of legal problems. We need yeah. some sort of support with that. Who can we go to? Oh, how about, you know, who's really good at getting out of legal dramas and has a lot of cash floating around? Yeah. Hey, what are you doing, Phil? <laughs> yeah, look at, and I reckon the settlement, like the timing of the settlement, yeah. the announcement, interesting, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Oh, but they kept Bobby Kotick in. You yeah, know, what does but, that say? but how long? You know what I mean. Oh, yeah, Pe- exactly. People are people are saying he he will stay on until the transition's done, which could take two years. But some people yeah. are saying he will leave in in June of this year. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of and and what do they do while they're there? Are they figureheads? You know, I'll like you know, yeah. And that's that's the thing. It's like it, you look at what when when you have an organization of that size and working in a market of the size that it's in, because games as games becomes pervasive into mm. the dominant media platform. And again, Fortnite's a really good example of how that's become like an environment for licenses and brands to activate themselves and get to consumers. Like, you know, when you start getting into this, you know, hundreds of billions of dollar massive sea change kind of stuff, you know, I hate to say it, but lawsuits, uh, you know, brand power, you know, an Xbox install base of what, 50 million? I don't know. What is it, 150 million? I don't even know the numbers on it because to me it's irrelevant because I've been working in the mobile space for so long where there's billions of people with mobile phones around the Mm. planet. Those companies want to be in every region and every hand possible in front of them. And they're not going to be too concerned about, you know, some of those movements. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like, you know, obviously the timing is, interesting like let's reward a company that had an, the entire state of california suing it for its atrocious behavior mm. let's 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 buy it for 70 billion that's a nice reward but i think at the end of the day it's an indication that microsoft knows that it may miss out on something that it isn't really at the table where other companies are because sony's got media sony's got content um and tencent's got tons of it you know you look at the other two big players in the market mm. they got a lot of you know screen ip and a lot of brands and a lot of content microsoft doesn't have that they tried right. but they don't have a tv studio they don't have they don't have you know anything like that their game studios are great mind you yeah. but they don't have anything like that so obviously they're kind of tripling down on the fact that this is the one brand we have that really works for consumers and we've got to we got to make sure that we don't miss that boat and we grow that space that's my take yeah when Phil Spencer joined Xbox as head of Xbox, I think one of the first things he did was cut the, sh- the TV studio they had just created about two, three years before that because they probably just didn't have enough content to even fuel that. 
and it just yeah, wasn't on target of games. Yeah, a like of a, focus as well. Actually, yeah, like tr- choosing yeah. to totally focus on games and not kind of uh, diversify too much so that they don't become strong in either. Mm. Well, look at how many ways in which Microsoft failed on trying to compete with Apple and other people. The Zune, remember mm. that thing? Yeah. <laughs> like there were there are so many ways in which they tried and failed, oh, and they, they almost they almost I, I lost desktop. A, you know, I saw a movie the other day where they had a Zune as like product placement. I honestly can't even remember what the movie. Was. <laughs> <laughs> um, Some movie that you can't remember, but you remember yeah, the Zune. I remember the <laughs> so Zune. Something work. Yeah. Well, because when I saw it, I was like, it was like this this latent memory that's just been in my head for like fifteen years, whatever it is. It's like Zune, what is that? That sounds so familiar. Um, but and it's like that Transformers movie where they had the um, the Beats pill. <laughs> it was nah. like, that. So the yeah, Beats yeah. by Dre uh, but pill speaker. Does um they- does Microsoft see? Do they see it as a as a missed opportunity? Because their focus was at least I think it was reading articles. They they were doing military. Contracts like they were competing with sure. Amazon last year for that. Uh, it, it was called, it was literally called Jedi. It stood for something, mm. but, but they were competing with Amazon and they were set together. And that was like a seventy billion dollar deal, yeah, and yeah. that's just for one program. I think a, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of employees at Microsoft actually took a did a bit of like a big petition and a big rally to uh, get them out of uh, working on some of these defense things. Like there was a big strong voice. And it'll be interesting now to see with Blizzard because there is mm. a huge uh, protest and and there's a lot of, a lot going on at, at the employee level. There's un, you know unionization trying to happen across a lot of these studios. There's a lot of issues that are obviously at Activision Blizzard that people are hoping that Microsoft will start to listen and start to actually make some changes. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. It's like you know you could say the same thing for Google. Certainly, I mean they they've absolutely admitted to be you know working very much hand in glove with the American military and, and God knows where all that is. And then the, the, again, the issue is like when you're a business that's that big, I mean, I, I cannot remember what that market cap is now because everything just seems to be getting bigger by the day. You know, I think it's one trillion, then two trillion. Now there's three trillion dollar companies. Like it's a staggering amount of cash, and how many people are operating within a company of that size, and how many entire divisions are doing stuff that you know, at a shareholder and at an executive board level, like you probably it's like noise in the background. You don't even know, you know, and that and that's the thing. It's like seventy billion dollars to the games industry. That's a huge deal but this is mm. a company that dominated the entire you know personal computer space for 20 years you know mm. and that's you know to them it, it is a you know it's a strategy in a direction so think of it at the Amazon level you know or think of it at the Apple level what what are they trying to do strategically mm. um, you know to make sure that there is uh, a facet of their business that they can scale if it becomes you know the biggest part of their business and I think all that, like you said, the, the minutia of, you know, whether or not people within Microsoft are very upset about them working with the military. Once again, what is that division worth to them and who runs it? You know, yeah. it's again, going back to my AOL thing, like they had 53 different companies when Time Warner merged with AOL and everyone was making jokes about the fact that AOL was slowing itself down by purchasing this boring old company, you know, but things shifted within about four years because the market flipped completely in terms of how internet worked and it all went back to who had books, magazines, TV shows, news networks, blah, 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 you know, and I, and I would think that Microsoft will probably be in the same way as that, you know, one of their most successful consumer brands is clearly games. They, mm-hmm. they did that right when a lot of other stuff was spectacularly bad. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, mean, I think 
I think how they've <clears throat> positioned themselves in comparison to Sony, like Sony's always been focused on the hardware, so that's why the consoles cost more. But the, uh, I mean, not knowing the full things, so I'm not going to say it's all on their fault. But their focus was on the hardware, and they've they proved themselves kind of unreliable in that aspect because it's been two years and you still can't buy a PlayStation. Where Microsoft was ready to go with the cloud gaming space. Um, I know yeah. it's a, the Sony versions around in other places, but their focus was always on ti- was more on titles. I'm not saying Sony's wasn't, but this feels like a, like a perfect storm where now like because uh, looking up Activision's revenue for 2020 is 8.09 billion US, mm. which is 11.2 billion Australian. PlayStation's revenue in 2020 was 22.74. So Activision made almost half of what Sony did making mm-hmm. Sony's title. So I think Sony's, with their comment about they're going to stick to their contractual obligations, to me reads like, um, we were joking, bro, it's a prank. The camera's over there. Like, <laughs> like but we're sorry. I think, that's like, I think that's like what Dan was saying before about like the exclusivity thing. Like mm-hmm. games, like they're always going to make, like these studios like Activision, they're always going to make more money if they're in more places. So like if if Microsoft owns Activision Blizzard, like they want to make more money, so yeah. they want it to be on everything, like including Sony. So they're because mm. like what you're saying, if Sony itself is making like only double what Activision's making, then if you own Activision, you want it to be on everything because you yep. want it to be making as much money as possible. Yeah. So. Absolutely, and and if you think about yeah. it, you know Halo Infinite's the first thing to simultaneous on PC and Xbox. Mm. You know, yeah. The the interesting thing will be if. Like and it's and it's actually a selling point for Xbox that they release a game on Sony PlayStation at a full cost of eighty dollars and then it's free on the Game Pass. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> How do you like unless you're a diehard? You know, unless all your friends are on PlayStation, you're going to get it on PlayStation. But otherwise, yeah. if you're kind of on the fence, you're going to get well. I get it for free by paying a monthly cost, just like Netflix. You know, um, the other thing I actually want to touch on was. On Twitter, there's been a lot of talk around um, whether the government in the US will block this as a monop- uh, as, as uh, sort of a monop- <laughs> monopolistic play. Yeah, but Xbox is Microsoft not what, like three times. Now. Xbox is not <laughs> at the top, and you know, I, I don't personally don't think it will happen. No, I, I agree. Guys- and, and- Sorry, Dan. No, no, yeah, I'm, I was. It was a change of topic slightly. So you go. <laughs> Well, you, you know, two things I want to quickly respond to. Number one, they never make money on hardware. Nintendo mm-hmm. are the only guys out there that manage yeah. to make money on hardware because their content is so good. And mm-hmm. There's a lesson in that. So Xbox will be more profitable. Activision, their division Activision will be more profitable selling stuff on other people's hardware than on Xbox. Because mm-hmm. they don't have to pay, you know, the, the, the cost of shipping, you know, PlayStation mm-hmm. consoles, right? You know, so that that's one win. And then, you know, uh, uh, you know, like like the second one is that, America doesn't see this like if you think about cable holdings and, and a lot of the stuff in terms of big media companies like if Disney Fox didn't get blocked there's no way this is yeah. going to be blocked because like mm. Disney Fox was almost as much in terms of cash value worth the same but it was such a similar marketplace and it was such a consolidation of really significant brands whereas this is a tech company buying what is basically a company that's got three or four really hot brands in it if that makes sense mm. So, 
Insomniac and Naughty Dog better get some good chiropractors because they're going to be carrying <laughs> PlayStation for a bit. <laughs> well, Sony, will, Sony will respond. Well, what's yeah. interesting to me is that, you know, you think about it, Sony's not as successful a company as Microsoft is in some ways and that they're very reliant on hardware and hardware is yeah. hard to make money at, you know? Mm. And where is Sony really dominating? Whereas I have to say Microsoft has rebounded pretty effectively with Windows 10 and Windows 11. Yeah, you know? it's amazing. They're, they're still operating systems that pretty much every workstation in the world yeah. is running, you know? W- will we see in the future xCloud on PlayStation? I think they have a version. It's just not available like in like, most parts, yeah. which is amazing. Like as an that- app, you know what I mean? Like as an actual app that Microsoft releases. I wonder. Oh, you mean XCloud itself, not like Sony's version of XCloud? No, no, no. Like oh. Microsoft yeah, releases that was on be PlayStation. My, yeah, that was right. what I wanted to ask. Is mm. everyone knows I'm Sony fangirl and always have been, and have never had an Xbox, and I have no idea what Game Pass costs or what's in it. And I wanted to ask you guys. Oh, I am a huge advocate amazing, for it. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, so <laughs> seventeen bucks a month gets you everything right so a couple years ago when i signed up that's what the only price was it was 17 but now they've brought in xcloud into that so that means you get access to the pc games the xbox games but you can stream them on your phone or whatever device as long as you have xcloud on and i've been i've been i've been showing my friends i've i have it attached to this phone i put a controller at the bottom of it uh oh here i have it all all set up, right? Make, just make sure oh, just like, look at that pop champ. Ma- yeah. ma- make sure you use Alex's coupon while you when you buy. Yeah, yeah. Use <laughs> Alex twenty at checkout. You get twenty percent off. Um, tell them I sent you. They'll charge you double. Yeah. So it just it just slots into that, and you know it's basically it's turned it into a switch for seventeen a month. You know, um, fifteen a month is the same, but you don't get the X Cloud. So two dollars less a month than you do. Yeah, I'm a huge advocate so that's for it. Cool. Because as someone who also is isn't in this space, I, I assumed it was kind of like uh, back when Apple was first doing stuff and you get like, you know, 100 puzzle games or something like that. It's, their <laughs> so, library's pretty good. So yeah. just a quick um, story on this. Uh, me and, So I'm a pretty casual gamer because my attention span sucks. So I will just play whatever for a bit and then move on. My mate Fish was like, let's play this one of the Alien franchise games. No, I sorry, I sent that to him. I was like, let's give this a shot. He didn't know about. He has an Xbox, but he didn't know about the streaming and all that kind of stuff. So he went to buy it on Steam for like a hundred and ten dollars. And I said, no, no, dude, it's on Game Pass, free, fifteen a month. You don't like it? We'll get rid of XCloud. Fifteen a month compared to one hundred and ten. He's not going to play that game for. We played it for two days and then we turned it off. Yeah, like like I think Alex, you make a really good point there because nobody's mentioning Netflix here, right? And I think yeah. Netflix is the bigger influencer. Because obviously mm-hmm. Apple's like, okay, we want to, we want to, you know, really lock people into our hardware. Games are a thing. Let's let's do, you know, arcade, right? That's eh, okay. That's yeah, not all right, I guess. Uh, and then you know, Microsoft, I think, is a lot smarter here, where they're going like, well, we want to make sure that, you know, like Netflix, you can play it on almost any device, and we're making money off all of it. And and that's the big blocker for Netflix right now is that they're it's really difficult for them to monetize games the way they can monetize some you know streaming video content because they can't really run it within a shell app like they do all their video stuff you know mm. and, and make gravy off that so i think microsoft's an interesting position there where they have a hardware arm but they are also really good obviously at, at doing distributed you know cloud-based computing like they've been building azure out for god knows how long mm. and there's a lot of heavy processing that can happen in the azure system so they're almost going kind of neck and neck with amazon more than they are with sony which is interesting yeah. 
today. Yeah. Really interesting. It'll and be, leading yeah. with content again. They're yeah. leading with brands. You want to? You want your COD action, man? Your your Xbox Game Pass place to be. And I'm with you. Like I'm a massive. I was just playing Warcraft Re- Reforged, but before I jumped on the call, mm-hmm. I love the fact that now I can just like fire up something on my PC and not have to go through Battle.net and all that BS. And I, I would definitely sign up for an Xbox Game Pass if I start now that I can get like Crash Bandicoot and start getting more brands through it. All for it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's something you touched on before, Dan, uh, which I find really interesting is like when a company like this buys another huge company and they get this size, it's like how how the hell do they stay kind of consistent? <laughs> when there's that many people and that yep. many departments, like yep. surely there is no one person in the company that is across yeah. everything. It's it's like yeah, a sorry, nation state or something. <laughs> it is. It's huge. Like if you think about it, going back to the Time Warner thing, like all the mergers they've gone through, they're, they're spinning off, they're splitting up from AT&T. It's not yeah. going to happen until the middle of next year. All the issues that they had over the decades, like I was, I worked there for almost ten years, yeah, and right. all the all the infighting and all the egos, you know, and you bring in a division. Like you think about it, if somebody goes out and acquires Facebook, how are they going to deal with Zuckerberg, right? You know, and look what happened with Yahoo, and look what happened with a lot of other companies, and God forbid MySpace, they got picked up by Murdoch or other people like that. There's mm. all these problems when you ingest something that you know may still have some really passionate people at the core of it, and that's yeah. true of every like you said every giant company automotive brands music you name it and yeah it's 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 a big question like what what is the you know even for activision blizzard within it like how how they traveled pushing all those companies together like the call Mm. of duty guys are obviously very different than the blizzard guys you know and obviously it's all kind of bad depending on what studio you're in right like how do they how do they bring that corporate culture into a major media empire and really get out of that that idea that you know you're like blizzard handcrafting and making beautiful beautiful products that will ship when it's ready into a corporate atmosphere where it's just like, what's our forecast? What's our third quarter mm-hmm. expectation? What's our revenue target? What do our shareholders say, right? Yeah. You know, and, that, and that's a journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it may completely yeah. change the structure of those studios for good or for bad. You know, I would yeah. hope for better. I would yeah, hope I hope better. so too. And I mean, we definitely see it work, but I think that's what astounds me is that we do see it work uh, for companies at this size. Um, I'm, I'm always amazed that mm. what kind of, management structure they have um and how many i guess levels of management where they have quality managers just to hold everything together oh it's crazy Um, man it's like being in a government let me tell you like i was i was sitting i was sitting in my office at dc once on broadway and they had a giant potted plant and my office had a column in it so it was a little narrower than the other offices right and i had a giant potted plant by the window and i couldn't get around it to get to my desk so i moved it (laughs) I moved it to the front of the door, and yeah. three weeks later, there's this you know person standing there with an assistant with a clipboard, staring at me really angry and looking at the plant, which wasn't doing very well because it wasn't getting <laughs> any sunlight. I said, "I'm I'm really sorry, but I can't get to my desk." And she's like, oh, "I suppose so, but you know, I'm from you know the branding division and the office branding division, oh, and I'm here to review your picture frames and make sure they align with the corporate oh, brand. Okay. And this is a very inappropriate placement of this plant." So that's how they keep everything in line. Yeah. So, yeah. And I was like, you're kidding me. There's a division that worries about what picture frames and plant positions are in the offices. Like, this is crazy. You know who else had that origin story? Uh, Mr. Incredible. I'm just thinking of that in the Incredible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. he had, his office is blocked out by the uh, the column. 
Yeah. So that's and, another and, title you know, we got to add to you. And that's the thing. It's like when you become submerged in an organization of that size, it's it's a real a real challenge to maintain that creative vitality and, yeah. and it is a very big culture shift and you know that's yeah. that's where i always kind of say it all comes back to what the shareholders are looking for and how they can exploit that ip like you see it in a bad way when disney starts cranking out generic boring crap but then you see it in a good way when it, it provides somebody like you know marvel to go out and take a risk and hire chloe Zhao to make eternals which i think is a really underrated yeah. film i, I mm. really i really enjoyed it i was you know i had a big debate with phil mays about it on friday like <laughs> you know well it's like it's not like he didn't like it but we all felt like it should have been a tv series you know yeah totally. They, were, I totally agree. they were trying to there's so much detail in terms of what they do but yeah. what an incredible creative risk for that studio to take that they mm. probably could not have taken if they were still a relatively small or doing deals directly with studios like they were before they got picked up by disney so i i, I you know it's who knows what can happen i have no crystal ball but change that's, is that's the right, only though. constant that's right, though. Some of these creative ideas, though, they you need that kind of padding of just endless money to give them the time to evolve to yeah. a point where they will actually succeed, though. Um, well, if you think about IP it, you, can develop. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good thing. It's like what what a lot of people we're not talking about today, and is we're talking about is the fact that Dark Horse got picked up by Embracer. Did you know yeah, about right. that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that, so a comic book company that I worked at, yeah, that I was editing Star Wars comics at, that was yeah. like the third biggest comic book publisher in america just got bought by embracer group yeah who's embracer embracer is this huge swedish video game company they've been they've been going out and acquiring tons of companies and they went up and they picked up a comic book publisher who does umbrella academy for one oh wow you know and they did you know going all the way back to the mask that's when i was there they were doing the first mask film wow yeah yeah yeah, I was actually at Industrial Light and Magic watching watching them make that once, and they had some Jurassic Park off to the side, and they had sheets over computers. I was like, "Is that what I think it is? Like, go away, go away!" I, I, re- I really have had the biggest nerd life, man. But yeah, like, you know, the Zynga purchase, like Take Two, all of that. We're seeing, you know, again, we're seeing, you know, video games, you know, finally <laughs> by money mm-hmm. being seen as a place where the mass market consumer entertainment brand should be yeah. and and I, and I really will go back to Fortnite and how clever they're being and how clever tencent is being like we get a huge name drop tencent flew to adelaide and we had breakfast with them when they were here mm-hmm. and team cherry was there and mighty king i was there for mighty kingdom and you know um oh god i think Deneth was there from foxy mm-hmm. and i and i remember vividly sitting there at lunch talking to um i think it was irene glass was her name and I was asking her about, you know, how the movie's going because they just did Mission Impossible movie. And it's like, oh, they don't make as much money as we hoped they'd have. We think games is more profitable. <laughs> yeah. yeah was, who's that laughing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, oh, Kathy, Kathy, welcome to the Kathy. 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 She's just walking the past next the table. To <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got to say, huge public shout out to Kathy Smart for being the heart and soul of that Facebook group, man. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the Discord. Oh, that's very yeah. nice. You're a legend, you? Kathy. Thank you. Let's ding our glasses. John, get us a dinging glasses sound. What was it, Kathy? I've got my glass. Kathy, the other day you responded to a comment on the Discord about how you're like, don't worry how old you are. I'm I'm like, I can't remember the age you said, but you're like, I'm one of the oldest people here. And everyone's like, Kathy, you are like the youth. You're like the lifeblood of this whole place. At every event. Yeah, he said he was 58. He was really worried. Yeah. (laughs) 
I said, I'm 62. Oh, yeah, you'd never guess it. <laughs> I've seen oh, you lift yeah, that computer man. as well that you bring to all the game jams. With you here, Kathy, we should probably get on to uh, the game jam and start mm. talking about that, eh? Well, yes. Yeah. Um, we've had a lot of talk about how good game jams are, and I, I really think they're very important, and I think they're the reason we have a community of game developers in Adelaide because Jamalade used to have 10 game jams a year up until 2016. Um, Susanna and Amelia are doing a magnificent job of this year's Global Game Jam, um, which is great. And um, I was just thinking that people, the people we want are people that haven't been to game jams before. Um, so I, was, I would like to sort of mention what it's like at a game jam. Yeah, yeah. sure. Go for it. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I made a list. <laughs> well, um, you form a team and uh, the colour party helps with that and they've got a discord for that, but you don't need that. Um, when you all do meet, you discuss the theme. So there's big theme reveal and unusually this year it's been revealed already. Am I allowed to say it, Susanna? Yes, but I only realised today that it had been revealed already. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what do you mean, together? Susanna? I thought you One. were the person who made the theme. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? One, two, three. Duality. 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 Yes. Duality. Yeah. Light and thing. dark, hot and cold. Mm, McDonald's yeah. and Hungry Jacks. <laughs> now... What a people, lot of Xbox. people don't realise is also um, diversifiers. So they're always available weeks before the Global Game Jam, which is important because it takes an hour to read them. Um, there's such a long list. So probably this year we're going to see a lot of Unity um, games mm. with somebody saying, don't go alone, take this. <laughs> because that's one of the diversifiers. Mm. And um, you also might see a lot of games with pre-1923 music. So um, mm, it'd be nice to cozy cool. up to Arak because he has an enormous um, library of jazz pre-1923 music. <laughs> Ooh. That's a cool um, one, John, for you. That's good. Thinking that. That's good. <laughs> yeah, well, no, Kathy's talking about um, Arak. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, Arak. Yeah, that's right. And because you could probably find him either in the Game Jam Discord or in mm. the Adelaide Game Developers Discord. I know he's definitely around the second yes. one. So he's very vocal. Very active. Yeah, he's in the Game Jam Discord. Cool. Awesome. So, um, we, so that what happens is the team spends the first evening deciding what game to make and how they'll make it and who'll do what um, and running around trying to get another artist or a programmer, usually programmer, um, and planning their communications, like whether they'll do things on Discord, Google Drive, you know, how they'll all set up their system. So on Friday night, People know what they're doing and they've got a list of jobs to do. Um, well, I did the designer's see... making the level. Sorry to The programmer's setting up the systems. The artists are making the assets. And they might have helpers looking for sound effects or music or just making a story. Um, so all of Saturday is this fever of making assets and starting to see the game come together. Um, this is where source control issues often arise mm, yeah. because people have rushed 
Alex? Oh no no no! I, I was just I was just agreeing <laughs> with you there. And um, if uh, if at some stage Pat happens to walk into the diner, you know, we're just we're just saying he he's someone who's very experienced with uh, source control, and I'm sure we'll yeah, echo that, that point. <laughs> we, yep. Uh, and Kathy, well, it's, just, it's just a, sorry, yeah. one thing you mentioned before about uh, finding yeah. other people. Now I'm pretty sure on the Game Jam Discord, and correct me if I'm wrong, Susanna, there's actually channels there for people to post if they're looking for. You know, audio yeah. people or artists or things like that, aren't they? Introductions and then there's different colors, different areas for engineering, art, narrative, sound design, produce, area, animation, UI, UX, and bonus. Um, if you've got a cool bonus <laughs> skill, you can post it in there. Bonus skill? <laughs> what, 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 what counts what's as a bonus a cool, skill? Yeah, what's like a bonus skill? Like being able well, to juggle anything. football on your... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want, so you want to make a game about football? Like, sweet, you know. And um, cool. somebody's posted in there with... Uh, uh, engineering, civil engineering background. So if you're making bridges, on, pipes, bridge airports, they've said like they can be a help, um, which is pretty That's cool. cool. So That's wholesome. Bonus That's skills. Good. So one thing to be aware of is that people get enthused about the game, but then um, it's really important to let the artists know that their deadline is 10 or 11 o'clock on the Sunday morning because it's so sad to see the artists trying to get their art in game when the programmers have just no time and they're just trying to make it work. So if the artists know in advance that they need to finish off in the morning, they can be given other tasks like a poster or, you know, other jobs of things that don't have to go in game and then you don't get all those wandering disappointed artists just talking to you Alex <laughs> <laughs> where were you last year Kathy? <laughs> last um, and then uh, when they upload I do have some hints about uploading which we can talk about later oh, that's great that's that's awesome mm. so it's definitely there's a lot of a lot of facets to this gem it's a whole pipeline Main to one, but with all of that yeah. though, lean into h how much fun is it though? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I actually went my nicest team mm. that I went with made the most boring game, and I felt really sad. Oh, thanks for stopping by, Kathy. Yeah, this has been great. <laughs> no, no, this is good. This is really no, everybody was really nice to each other, and they compromised, and we ended up with a game with not one of us was enthusiastic about. Oh no! <laughs> uh, so, so what are you what are you saying? Don't be nice to each other. <laughs> Be cut through it. <laughs> don't do what Donny don't follow does. the fun. <laughs> Is it we didn't follow the fun. Yeah. 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 It was the first time that's happened. Yeah. It's that's one of those yeah. things though I think that is still valuable in a game jam though, because getting that experience teaches you so much about what oh. it's like to work in a team. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And if you're if you're thinking about doing game jam and are worried that you don't have a team, um, come along to Discord on Friday and we'll we'll help you. Find your crew and yeah, don't don't stress about it. We were all had no one to be in a team before, so uh, out of interest, I, I'm always the last pick. Is is there a <laughs> is there a member limit on teams? Can teams be as big as they no. want? Yeah, yeah, teams can be as big as they want. So I've I think seen teams of a dozen. Yeah, if if you've got the roles for it. <laughs> yeah, I've been in a team that was six people once, and that. That actually worked quite well, but that was because five of those people already worked together in a different studio, <laughs> so they already <laughs> had that kind of working relationship. Yeah, well, six is actually kind of perfect. Yeah. Um, if you have two programmers, three artists, and a level designer, um, that'll give you 
a nice little working game. That, at the that end. was pretty much what we had. We had uh, one, no, two designers, one artist, two programmers, and then I was audio. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's ideal. <laughs> so, with uh, this topic of uh, game jam, we had a uh, the the public poll in the um, AGD <laughs> Discord. Um, mm -hmm. The community poll, I should say. And the question we said was, what are your tips, tricks, advice for staying motivated through creative or any projects? Um, and, you know, this kind of works as well to the the game jam. I thought of why as we'll mention it. We forgot to mention the community poll in the last one as well. Um, well. Actually, we were talking about the tips for the game jam actually on that, I'm pretty sure. Let me just bring that one up first. Uh, oh, no, no, I'm wrong. That was Hopes and Dreams for 2022. Um, okay. So, James, James Marshall, we all know him, we all love him. When you're mm -hmm. freaking out and can't, can't work, stop trying to. Walk away. Trying to force mm -hmm. it through will usually hurt both you and the project more than a short break. Which is very true. Um, which is that thing I brought up. It's not that thing. Another thing I brought up just related to that is sleep during the game jam. Don't stay up for the whole weekend. Mm -hmm. um, that will not result in good. Um... This one was crossed out, so I don't know if this is a is this an internet meme. People like when you you post something and then you cross it out. Is it basically okay? Emma says, "Do make sure you come back to it again later, though. That's the part that always messes me up." But then it's crossed out, so I'm not sure what that actually means. <laughs> but we're don't saying come anyway. back to it. Or think, don't yeah, do you come back to it? <laughs> did, did Emma end up doing a second reply there? I'm trying to remember. Yes. Alright, so uh, having thought about what I do actually, hey, ha having thought about what I do actually do for this a bit more, something that works really well for me is to eat something. It's a nice combination of a positive reward while I'm actually doing the thing and slight distraction that my brain needs to engage properly. Oh, so yeah, seconding James's point basically, um, just having a step away. I think someone mentioned having something like particular music to condition yourself to get into productive mode, which, oh my god, I cannot recommend enough. <laughs> Uh, the Cisco hold music that John recommended that gets me in such a zone I can't concentrate on anything but that goes on I'm out for three hours um, so definitely second that um, and yeah and uh, oh look who's just jumped into the cafe Mr. Patrick hey. Webb hey Pat oh. how's it going <laughs> um, actually Pat you have a, a tip and a mantra here for staying motivated through creative projects um uh, you saying I always try to routine my projects with just it, it's weird talking about it even yeah, though right. I'm like to read it. I'm like I don't know if he's got it in front of him so I'm like Pat, Pat and you said it. here end quote yeah <laughs> I don't have it in front of me but I remember every word <laughs> what is your tip and mantra I actually don't have it in front of me <laughs> well, probably do, do you have a tip spend. on hand Staying in a routine or something like that. No, you actually said um, Microsoft will never buy Activision. That'll be a cold day. <laughs> I will no, eat my it. hat should that occur. I did want to say uh, explaining Game Pass to people feels like explaining Netflix to people who still go out and buy Blu-rays every day. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tell I'm me like, about it. How is it different than PS mom? Plus? I still don't get how it's different than PS Plus. I so, pay my my fee a year for PS Plus. It's way cheaper, and I get twenty games, and then I get three games a month free. But you get all the games with yeah. Game Pass at once. You can just <laughs> like hundreds, hundreds, every game like, they like, have in their library. Yeah, yeah, like uh, Halo and Unboxing and all yeah. of those kind of games on and day one, just boom. 
And all of the EA games, hey, EA Game Pass. So to me, compare it to trying to watch Doctor Who on iView to watching it on any other streaming Yeah. There's there's three episodes that'll expire in 48 hours, and it's only SD, and the interface is crap. And, you know, watching it on anything else where there's 10 years of it, and it's always there, you hope. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No, one of my mates had the the same uh, thing that you just said, Pat, where he was like, I was trying to tell him the benefit of... Game like Game Pass and XCloud, and he's like, "Why would you buy a home studio, home uh, entertainment system, and then stream it?" I'm like, "Well, I'm going to stop you there. We haven't all bought home entertainment systems because he's the same. <laughs> he will go out and buy the Blu-rays and the box sets and all that, rather than just he because he wants to own the physical thing, which." Yeah. <sighs> Outdated. Outdated. I, I know someone who yeah. still buys DVDs. So, well, st- oh, no. statistically, most people never open those box sets. They just sit on a shelf. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. know, back in my swinging single days in New York, because DVDs were a thing in 1999. <laughs> I had I had racks full of stuff, and people would come over to my apartment. And it's like, oh my god, you've got a copy of The Princess Bride. And you have the Criterion edition of you know <laughs> this amazing French film. And I was like, why, well, yes, I do. Strategy Dan was to line up all the correct DVDs. <laughs> Absolutely, it's like yeah, I got to move the shelves around. Okay, all the John Claude Van Damme on the bottom shelf. <laughs> Look, to be fair, I mean this is only for people who can see this, but like I did theme my shelf based on the hey. conversations. Uh, that's dope. That's cute. Press, he's got he's got press reset. Uh, now now crash. Snow, snow crash. Snow crash. Oh, it's snow the, crash. The metaverse. Of the metaverse. <laughs> oh. Talking about the nineties. Um, and then a Game Pass coupon. Uh, <laughs> look at that. That's- yeah. <laughs> that is now gone. That's not redeemable. It's funny, man. I was having this flashback to the nineties. You know, not not because of all the garbage I was just saying, but because we were talking about the merger stuff. You know, and my mm. last days in New York. And I remember reading all the cyberpunk novels and all this reference to fax paper. Mm. like wow i got that wrong (laughs) i tell you what though okay so because my day job's in it i I found out recently that a lot of medical professions still use fax machines um and it's not just medicine but it's uh a few industries where the people who are you know doctors or whoever are essentially running the industry um Mm. are adamant that fax machines have to stay um and i'm still trying to work out why that is um I think the, the best justification I've heard is that it's secure, as in you, yep. you, what I hear. you, you fax it and then, you know, there's no like yeah. paper trail so much. Um, yeah. But I actually, I, I had like a client once where their fax machine was broken and they, they said, we've got this issue where we're currently having to email documents to each other instead of being able to fax it. <laughs> <Children problem. laughs> I know. <laughs> what blows my mind is it, and this is what I always say when I get really cranky about it, because it took me like six goes to change my address the last time I moved mm. in the medical system. Every time I take my kid to Women's and Children's, I always have like three addresses ago. It's multiple systems. And I always said, you can buy a house by scribbling like this on an iPad now, <laughs> and I can't update my address. Like, <laughs> oh come on. Goodness. And it's the same. And the doctor's okay. like, unsecured email servers. Like, how is an email server more or less secure than a fax machine yes. sitting in an office oh, <laughs> where people are walking by going, oh, yeah, I need to mop up my coffee. Like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, I've heard that, like, I talked to the guys that, um, uh, what is it, that computer shop on King William Street? And and he had a box of floppy, three-and-a-half-inch floppy disks sitting next to him. I was like, awesome. who buys those? And he goes to banks. Wow. So the banks still use them? Yeah. Still use oh, them. I mean, look, that's, that's a whole scary. other conversation. But yeah, a lot of the big like banks and stuff like that have real legacy. Tape, tape machines? Uh, 
I'm not yeah. sure about it. Possibly. Real to real. The, uni- like, the university was using up to a few years ago. My dad's job to change yeah. them. Uh, yeah. Going on the weekend on Saturdays and change the dat tapes. Huge dat tapes. That's amazing. But it's one of those things because I, I think defense does it d- as well, where it's like, you know, things have been built on top of this old infrastructure and so many modules have been built on top of it over the years that they can't possibly change that base technology because it's holding up yeah. so much of the infrastructure now. I, gotta, well, uh, I, worked, sorry, go I worked at, the, I worked at the, uh, the advertiser for four months, true confession. And, funny, and the funny anecdote there is that on the day they approved my probation, even though it was two months early, it was supposed to be six months, I went home, quit, and took the job at Chrome to make Star Wars <laughs> I was like, I can't do this. But one of the insights was the printing press they have at Mile End. They have like a 386 in a closet that runs all the machines that oh, yeah. burn the laser burn the print drums, and they have six more of them on the shelf so they can scavenge parts off it to oh, keep it running. <laughs> and it literally opened it up, there's this little CRT with green text yeah. going <laughs> running this gigantic printing plant. It's hilarious. Oh, it's probably stable, though. I'll give it that. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I, got, um, <laughs> I, I got these friends who, um, these engineers who worked on the new hospital, and they said uh, they didn't factor in the weight of paper of, like, patient files, <laughs> so the floor started to bend. Um, <laughs> when they, they, th- they The ar- engineers and, I guess, the architects, I don't know whoever's involved, assumed everything was going to be digital and they're like no nah. so that there was so many holdups with that hospital one of them was yeah the floor was bending from the weight of paper from patient records <laughs> so they had to fix it so they're, they're still paper records because they're like we can't get rid of it but that's a game, yeah. game idea please can more multi-billion dollar deals go into the games industry so we can never work in that kind of industry anymore let's grow it grow it grow it folks let's make this game jam pump out a whole bunch of yeah there's a, there's a duality <laughs> idea yeah. Well, they've, they've got Titan Reach. Did you hear that news? What's yeah. That? Titan Reach, um, they got their funding, was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, so. they did. Yeah. Um, I don't know the full story, but they, are, from what I heard, they almost went under. So this is a SA-based MMO that's been in development for a couple of years, I think. And they almost went under and like at the last second, someone came and just like pumped in a whole lot of funding. And I don't know the exact figures, but they're now talking, you know, hiring, what is it, like 50 developers or something 50? for two years? Oh, man. And look yeah. at Mighty Kingdoms doing another hiring spree, you know. Mm. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah look, yeah. first industry, like, let's let's do your best, kids, because, you know, I, I am departing for other shores. Let's make sure you're really focused on March and what the dialogue is with our incoming state government and hold them accountable, man. Because mm. this game jam is something that I think flies under their radar and it's way better than anything those jamokes do down at Stone and Chalk. And Chris <laughs> Kirk, I'm talking about you next time I see you <laughs> jogging with all your cool programmers. <laughs> Whoa, boys! 300, you know, what is it? 400 bucks for a desk this big? I suppose the game plus. Yeah. Well, all right. Speaking of good things that come out of game jams, I do have a bit of a list here of some games. Um, mm-hmm. This is pulled from Wikipedia. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Very sorry. reliable. Before we go, we just got to finish. I just want to. There's one last um, uh, the tip and mantra thing, and then and then. And oh then yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Otherwise, then it will never come back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Pat, you were because you were right. You're 100 percent right. Your <clears throat> your um thing was on routine. If, if uh, Adrian Impadovo had one where he was. Again, seconding James's point of just have a break um, to let your mind rest. But Pat was the one that had a different point that said, um, routine the projects. 
<laughs> yeah, so like, um, yeah, like, do you want routine to, the project? So I'm here trying to figure out what that means. Like, is this some kind of chant? And I, I want to visualize for the listeners that Pat, when Pat nods his head in a kind of knowing manner as he just did, it really is accentuated by his fabulous haircut. Man. It is. <laughs> it's like it really, it's like it really, his indifference is so so exaggerated on screen. Really need to get a, like an ad emoji of him going here. I didn't know what the question was there. I'm just like, yeah, routine. Oh right, like uh, yeah, like um, like what, what's your advice for that? Like, what do you mean by that? Like, you always try to routine your projects. And what's wrong, Alex? The nod wasn't enough for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got it. I just wasn't sure if Costa understood it. You know, and just break it down for Costa. <laughs> no, but um, well, like I guess when I say routine, like just making sure you keep at it. Um, like like you said to me, Alex, recently, it's just just showing up mm. to a project is like so important because it's so easy to get started on something and then to tell everyone about it and then get really excited but then you've told everyone about it so there's no point working on it anymore you just want to do something else yeah. um i'm in this picture and like? i don't like it just saying <laughs> yeah. and, and i have to say that glamorous that, like when people like show off their work all the time they're like look i spent a hundred hours on this but you don't see the um, behind the scenes of them just kind of chipping away at it day to day, yeah. slowly. It's always That's just that what gets bang done, moment. Man. Yeah. yeah, and I really that so insightful as always, Patrick. I think you've got such a professional head, way beyond I, what I had in those years, because I went straight into a huge media corporation. So I had the little lane that I worked in. And the stuff that I did, and there was this mechanism that got 250 pages of content off my desk every month. And I, and if if I hadn't had to go in there and get a paycheck and grind that content out, I wouldn't have had the motivation. It wasn't until I started working on smaller scale stuff that I realized how much you have to have that professional routine. And you're right, that dedication to come back to it and really have your picture on what you're trying to get. And I and I feel for the guys doing Titan Reach because as soon as I hear an independent team doing an MMO, I'm thinking like, oh my God, I'd run in the opposite direction that's a massive yeah. task yeah. but man amazing that they've got it where they've got it if you mm. compare that to what trebiani did with hacknet you know mm. which would have been equally as hard you know given the amount of content he had to write it's it's routine is everything like how many hours at the desk what do i have to do what are my gates and i, I think that's my advice to a lot of small developers really be clear about what your next production gate is and what you're going to play with and i think that's what's cool about a game jam is that it forces you to work to a deadline and it forces you to kind of set up your dominoes in terms of where you need to get in a really short sprint which i think is awesome and i think we should put them on a train like they do in other parts of the world definitely put them on a train Train, oh, jam be so be much train jam would be pretty cool here. Train jam. Yeah, I think train jam. Put them on the gun up, up to Darwin. Yeah. <laughs> like to know your location. Is that how a train simulator was made? You think? <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, Pat, there's uh, something I wanted wanted you to um, talk about. Uh, who was it? I think Susanna brought up. Oh, uh, Kathy. One, someone brought up um, project management. No, no, project, uh, source control. And um, just remembering that when you and I did the game jams, like you were on top of that and like it's you've picked up so much knowledge around source control that i think it'd be like really valuable for the listeners whether they're doing the game jam or not how to set up a source control like what is it why it's good for the game jam and yeah yeah i mean i'm definitely not an expert <laughs> um but like i i think source control is essentially just a place to have like a depot where all of your work gets updated to one place and then anything anyone puts in the game is in 
like a consistent spot. And if something goes wrong, you can sort of like undo, but it's like, it's not like undoing your local files. It's like undoing everyone's implementations. Mm. That makes sense. I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but, um, yeah, I get, I get it. <laughs> no, because like it's thing. it's the first part of QA, and I, yeah. I think that's one of the things. Like you, you look at what Jason Ems is doing over at Mighty Canyon, and that's always been something that Phil really learned from when he and I worked at Chrome. Is that we were the only studio, the three Chrome studios, that had QA in the same office, on the same floor, in the room, mm-hmm. at all times, and source control and getting getting the build machine going so that people were checking in, and you were pumping builds out to make sure. You, things weren't broken and we had you know eight i think it was like eight hundred thousand lines of code by the time we we went gold master on that monstrosity and qa is a vital part of that but you do it at a small scale pad you're absolutely right mm-hmm. you know it's like making sure your so- source control is solid that if people are coming in casually and working remotely that's the key thing if you can work learn how to work remotely and learn how to work within a, a control system like that so that your quality control is being done before you check it in and then somebody's doing a build and making sure the game is still re- reasonably stable as you're going through you're you're taking a world of pain off mm-hmm. your butt at the end of it yeah it's, as um, always a wise man <laughs> it, it's a lot easier um nowadays especially with like remote work like i remember um just last year i did the uh what was it the epic mega jam and they had the um like perforce depots set up and you could just basically sign up for this service and they would give you a cloud depot for all of your files for the duration of the game jam oh it's the future of big studio work man mm. you know there there i can you know talking because i'm doing a project I, I don't know if you guys know with both the vfx industry and the games industry on behalf of state government here to find ways to get a graduate through a boot camp that's very industry aligned based on things like the mighty kingdom graduate program and and i'm also you know going to try to help out david mccann because i think his placement stuff that he does at mini mammoth is awesome and try to find ways to formalize that a bit more to assist people to be able to do remote work you know and that's a key part of it is that understanding what industry needs out of you regardless of what your you know you know, kind of uh, uh, grassroots stuff that you've done or your whatever TAFE or AIE cert that you've done or whatever kind of university degree that you've done. And key to that is that, that thing of being able to check stuff in and understand that you're going to have people sending you messages potentially in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and uh, and not take it too personally. Like, it's a big part of the psychology of work. And, and you know, sorry, the rambling of it here, but the reason that there's so much focused on that training right now is that there is a massive shortage, a massive shortage of 3D artists, of, of uh, coders, of everything mm-hmm. across all digital industries. And I'm sure Susanna could speak to that as well. It's like, it is just such a, a crisis globally. They cannot find people, you know. And, and given, again, $70 billion going into a company like Activision, that's an indication that the market's not going to get smaller anytime soon. So um, that was definitely yeah. in the IGA report. It's and uh, we had um, Raylene on last episode. And yeah, I'm gonna listen to that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a shout out, and I don't worry. Um, <laughs> oh. I m- made sure we talked about the thirty percent rebate. I was like, Dan will kill me if, yeah. if we don't. <laughs> we had to. Um, but yeah, she's. We, yeah, she was saying that the um, the. This, it's no longer money that studios need. Like, I mean, of course, it's money, mm. but it's not what they're after now the most. They're after skill. It's Staff. Yeah. Not Staff. There, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, I can't remember this, like an NFT group that's got a studio in Adelaide now, and they're hiring Mighty Kingdom, you know, good on you, Kathy, for throwing that out. There a whole bunch of seniors and mids they're looking for right now. Work's coming. Work's mm-hmm. coming, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, I don't want to belabor the point, but it's like the posting I did about the acquisition. It's no longer a pipe dream, you know? you Your dream job is there. I, I had a comment from a guy in the VFX industry said, if you can hold a fork, you're getting a gig. You know, yeah. and they're just <laughs> desperate to get people in there familiar with it. And Epic's going to play a huge part in that. And they're obviously going to feel pressure from Unity as well. And formalized game jams that teach you how to work in a distributed remote uh, work environment is going to be better for them. Because what does Epic need? They need more content. They obviously, what, what, what do they need? They need more content, right? Yeah, I, think I feel so like I'm beating be like, a dead for, horse here. For, for me, like, one of the things that I get real passionate about uh, with the Adelaide scene at the moment like obviously I'm biased because I was born here um, but, I, but I actually found like um, I got more passionate about the Adelaide scene after I went overseas um, mm. because I think I realized a just how much we actually have going for us here absolutely um, just I mean I'm talking like from the basics to general infrastructure you don't have to worry about like unclean tap water and stuff like that you don't have to worry about the basics to you know safety nets to then we've actually then got like quite a good scene here quite a good community yep um and i was watching um if i can make the comparison whether it's true or not but i was watching a documentary (laughs) thank you alex (laughs) documentary (laughs) on uh bob dylan i think it was and how bob dylan is you know such a big name in the music world um but the documentary was exploring how so much of his success came because he was in i think it's called greenwich village Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is kind of basically was this bohemian scene where all these poets and artists and musicians came out of um not all got as successful as him but a lot of them got very successful and influenced a lot of things oh yeah man it's it's just all that yep that's right and it's amazing you and you see this across history that there's hubs of uh silicon valley industry art and stuff like that where a whole lot of exciting things happen at the same time and i think when I came back to South Australia, I, I feel like I started to see the start of that here. And so now we're seeing all these things crop up. Mm. It's like, it's extremely validating for me to see. Um, and I think you totally should get involved. Mm. <laughs> and look, John, the reason I-, I get so angry is I've known that for 20 years. Yeah. I always say I stepped off the plane and got a job in South Australia. I couldn't get in New York City. And that yeah, was right. producing a video game for Rockstar. For yep. Ratbag, which was, I believe, the first video game studio in Australia to ship a PlayStation 2 title. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. 21 oh. years ago. And it comes and goes, but I think Kim Forrest, you know, over at MK, I'll say this, because he's been, he's been around for pretty much as long as I have. Every time he goes overseas, he comes back and he realizes we are absolutely at a world-class level. But you don't know that when you're in a small town. You don't realize that. But you're yeah. absolutely right. If you look at what Austin, Texas can do around music, if you look at what Atlanta did around music in the 90s, if you look at what Seattle did around grunge in the 90s, and, you, and you, you, you bring that out across games and across all media, it is that part of artistic activity. And, and the thing that I get most worked up about is its cohesion, making sure that we're all treating each other respectfully, mm. we're backing each other, other we're shouting each other's praises and we're pointing fingers at it to the money 
dear money, look at what we can do. Come <laughs> yeah. here. This is really, yeah. really good mm. stuff, man. Yeah. And we've got the capability. Please help us grow and demand well, it. I'd like to say two things to that, Dan. Mm. And I agree. And I think one of the reasons we have such a strong game dev community in South Australia is that for years we had many game jams. And, of course, we don't get that anymore. We really need to have them again. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, to be absolutely cynical, um, there's actually some things you can uh, angle your game at this year. So one of them is the Solar Art Prize, which gives you a $4,000 voucher for solar products, like including fridges and things, Um there's $66,000 worth of prizes this year and video games fit in the section material, sorry, material prize 3D. Mm. So if your video game happened to be about climate change or mocking mm. climate change deniers or tackling climate change, anything like that, if it just happened to be that and it was finished by the 18th of February, <laughs> um, then you might consider... <laughs> entering for that prize and of course i think we're all aware that ben kirchner of the adelaide city council has been yep. this magnificent three hundred thousand uh, dollars to be paid to indies or other creators to put up art installations to make the city of adelaide exciting um bring fun and excitement to adelaide streets so um you might have seen the facebook post on the 17th of december where sam hodge offered to team up with people to make something with his video wall um and of course there are other ways of making adelaide exciting as well so if you happened to make a, a game and it and it was ready uh to be ready by March, then you might be considering um, that one as well. So just as kind of a cynical way of, of angling no, your no, game. No, good on um, you, Kathy. <laughs> no, but, but the thing is, it's not cynical. What you're doing is you're addressing the market. Like mm. somebody used to ask this of Chris Butterworth all the time when we are doing a lot of shopping stuff at Mighty Kingdoms and go like, oh, you know, don't you wish you were working on a game you wanted to play instead of these kids' games? And Chris would always say, I don't care, I'm making games. You know, and the, and you're absolutely right. Like I put in an EOI for for the Createch City Challenge. I think Ben's visibility in the games community has been unprecedented mm. for the last six months. He's always present. Huge shout out to him. Sam Hodge is a beautiful human being, man. I I, I work with Sam a little bit when I was at Rising Sun before he became an independent guy. Absolutely an artist, artist, and an incredible technician. You know, go and talk to him if you're a game developer who's not aware of what mm. he does over at, I think it's Gunyat is, I can't remember how to pronounce this company, but you're mm. right. And and it's like, if you think about like, we like, we've got what, like 900 people now that Moving Picture Company is like a thing. It's no longer Mr. X. That's huge news. They got mm. 42 Academy mm. Award nominations, like, and they're going to triple down and they're hiring animators. We have hundreds near probably close to a thousand now with cdw expanding you know digital art artists in the city in the city and we gotta like come together as an ecology exactly right kathy find ways to make sure that games are playing play into the strengths that they're funding from anywhere from you know 20 grand to you know 20 mil like let's make sure we're active in there because like you said john we're world class we're world yeah. class. Like you folks can do anything, and you get smarter by the generation. That's why Sherwood Pat with so much praise. Like he, he's, you know, you guys are so much smarter than I was at your age. 
<laughs> I was I was 38 when I came to Adelaide and started doing Rockstar games, and man, I was a punk. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, 38 year old punk. I, I was <laughs> I was clueless. If it weren't for Cam Dunn and Fran a fool, and I would I would deep six that gig, man, and yeah. it, would, it would have been deported because you know they were sponsoring the thing. You know? <laughs> But but they were amazing guys, and they were just like you know one thing Dan can do is like keep the wolves at bay while we figure out how to get this thing to run, and they almost did. They almost shipped it. Costa, can we call this episode "How Dan Didn't Get Deported"? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well, for me, it's like going back to Kathy. It's how to make sure you've got that base of development here and that original IP there. That if somebody's going to come here, they're going to stay because they're they're part of the community and they're telling their own stories. Like, don't work on American stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and By all means, if a studio wants to come and give you money to make something, do it, but do it with as much control as possible. Take it yeah. from me. Going I all the way back to the beginning of this. The work that, um, you know, AGDs and Unwind that are, are both doing to, because, you know, we've got, as you said, we've got always like thousands of, hundreds of artists and all these programs and stuff like that, but like, which are awesome on their own. But collectively, like if we have like this mm. unified front that you guys were talking about, basically, and you know, AGD Discord that you manage along with um, Pat and uh-huh. Arthur, yeah, um, and Unwind. That's Pat and James Marshall. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it feels like that. It feels like that unified front. And like I remember, you and I, Pat, would have conversations about that of like how we just wanted to exist in an ecosystem that had these things. And mm. like I see that's why you would have started Unwind of just being like I just want to. I just want to exist in the world that has it. And if no one's going to do it, I'll do it, you know? Yeah, and I, think I, and I agree. And I think the maturity and cohesion in the last couple of years has really changed. You know, we're, we've seen now Jay Weston as well. We've seen so many successful independent companies who, who really have serious money in the bank. And it's repeatable. And Kevin Wong's here now. Like, I, I had no idea. I was, I was at the South Australian Screen Awards. There's Ken Wong standing there. And, of course, everyone else are all film nerds. And they're like, who's that guy? And I'm like, you had no idea who that guy is. So I'm like, oh, my God. No. <laughs> Like I got to be on a Tito. panel with Ken, and oh, I was right. like, you were saying that. Yeah. "I'm on a panel with Ken." <laughs> I'm scared to talk because it's like I shouldn't be here. He's so cool. He's so pretty cool. amazing. Yeah, you know, and I, I think it's a massive opportunity. And you know, and you're right, Kathy. It's like if there's any like fund out there that allows you to fund something that's a piece of original IP. And as I always say, you know, and, and I, I had a lot of people talking about gaming addiction, all this other stuff, and I really get, you know, I really grind my teeth about it. No game developer sets out to do harm to the world. They want people to love and benefit from the products and experiences that they create. So if you're going to be addressing things like climate change and social change and the stuff that you do, Susanna, of course, of course people are going to step into that. And you should. It doesn't take anything away from you that you're not working on the next Fortnite or Call of Duty, not at all, you know. Mm-hmm. And bigger teams are better, always better. Yeah. Like, if you ain't working with eight people, even Springsteen need a little Stevie. Right, Alex? He <laughs> <laughs> did. I was right here. Such a reference. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, that's the best thing about Adelaide right now is that if somebody gets a hit and needs to, you know, put a bunch of people together, we can do it now. Like, Mighty Kingdom did that in the early days with Shark Jump, and it was great. It was, uh, it was such a good move for us to be able to bring Matt in and have him, like, sit at a desk and, and get some stuff out the door because we just couldn't hire fast enough. Because yeah. mm-hmm. we're talking about game jams today. Do you think game jams are a good place to meet other people to work with studios? Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. Yeah, I used to do we used to do one panel pages back in the comic book industry, like even at San Diego Comic Con and everyone would just show up and we would hand a piece of paper around and everybody, including people who were showing portfolio work, would put one panel and continue the story. And I I met, you know, one of the best artists I've 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 ever worked with in my life through yeah. that, that kind of process. And you know, I say games definitely the same way. You know, like mm -hmm. game jams and learning how to work in a tight sprint. Uh, finding out what your strength is to a team. That's why I always tell the people is that when you first go outside of the silo of a one or three person band into a bigger, like, you know, 10 to 20 person team, you suddenly find out what you're really expert at and what the rest of the team needs from you. And yeah. you hone that and you suddenly go to a much more professional level. And that's true of all creative industries. But I think games more so because it's so technically complex and you need to really hit the mark on so many different things, you know. And, and, you know. that, that was my experience as well because I think the Game Jam was the first time I did solely audio stuff in a team mm. and I found just how much I absolutely loved it. Whereas mm. prior to that, you know, I was trying to make my own games by myself and stuff like that and, you know, there's, there's the whole ego thing and you're kind of trying <laughs> to create your creative vision or whatever. But, you know, I did the Game Jam and I just realized how much I loved the experience mm. and I think that is what then helped push me to then, you know, I ended up working with Pat and Alex um, on Rooftop Renegade. Um, and, you know, same thing. I was happy then just doing audio stuff because I had that experience at the Game Jam. Yeah, kick, and you're rewarded. Yeah, and you're rewarded yeah. for that expertise. Suddenly you get a perspective about what you can do, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm a terrible artist. Thank God I met a great <laughs> artist when I was four years old. That guy works at Apple now. Like, he's amazing. He's like yeah. this multi-award winning designer and i used to write scripts and he would do and we would make our own comics and it really quickly i was like i'm a crap artist but i'm good with words i know how to talk so and that and that has been my shtick ever since you know i still write yeah. oh really yeah it's yeah. where is it wait we need this we, especially when you're gone <laughs> we need something <laughs> <laughs> it's not for you, Alex. Oh. <laughs> Dan, you put these walls up between us, Dan. Let me in. You keep in live journal online, still in you. No, I actually like. I, I was talking to a friend of mine. It's like I've got this screenplay in my head that I've been trying to finish for twenty years, and it it's there to keep my fingers warm. But you know, if if you think about it, like the grant applications that I'm quite good at, mm. uh, you know, working, going from the games industry and the university industry, and making that work as well. All of that is being able to go out there and go well this is what i'm going to do and here's how to communicate here i'm going to communicate it very clearly and effectively you know yeah and i and i know i don't do good at audio and i know i'm not visual and i think everyone has that specialty it's like you know i think costa you've you've got a business head that's really really stellar really superb and your ability to understand what the structure of of the work that needs to be done it's like i think everybody here has a specialty that as soon as you start working on you know these kind of projects got a bit of funding really pay attention to that and reflect on it afterwards yeah, and it, even when I pivoted into doing digital in 97, I was a site editor. I wrote copy. One of the things I had to do was a 30,000-word essay for an annual report for Texaco about what a carbon-neutral company that we're trying to be. Texaco in 97. But I got paid you know, <laughs> yeah. money, and I was writing. You know, yeah. And it was a remarkable fabrication of mystery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were just in the process of being sued by an entire country for toxic ways. So like, <laughs> oh, my God. So... Uh, just to circle back and then, because um, there's a there's a section John wants to jump on. Um, just want to finish off, Pat. The uh, 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 source source control. Okay, sorry. If I'm 
joining up on the game jam and it gets to a Friday. Uh, what am I doing with source control? What do you uh, finding one that works for you. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's an important thing, I right? I would say not, don't leave it to the Friday. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a good one. Advice. Yeah. Um, look up GitHub, look up plastic Perforce. depends what engine you're using. There's so many options out there, but, um, I'd spend some time on this before the game jam or find someone on your team that knows how to set it up and can kind of get everyone in the loop. Like actually using it um, once someone has set it up is fairly straightforward, but having someone set it up is, you know, really, really useful when you're all remote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially... But even if you've got source control, just practice good hygiene and don't have <laughs> two people working on the same scene. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, digital hygiene. Digital I thought you meant like actual, like... <laughs> For sure. I can smell you getting off the elevator. <laughs> Yo, the funny thing, Kathy, I'm the, I think I'm the only one who knew exactly what you meant. I was like, that is a wild segue. <laughs> look, look, Alex, hygiene is an industry term. I'm not what that old. And I, I practice I personal hygiene anyway. <laughs> no source control. You are really horrified. <laughs> Um, yeah, okay. What is digital hygiene? <laughs> yeah, just um, don't be in the same scene. Don't do not do stupid things, which actually always happens in a game jam because you're panicking, you're in a hurry, you quickly say something to someone and they don't realise or you pop off for a meal and you leave something, un, um, you haven't loaded it. Just everything always happens, so be prepared to lose an hour or two to, mm. to source control. Well, that's, Just be ready for it. It's the, um, Shapak talked to this, that's the strength of um, uh, Perforce when we used yeah. it is because that's a totally different system with GitHub. But GitHub, that's that comes from our spoiled Unreal experience. Yeah, exa <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like Unity doesn't we have, have like that. baby-proofed software. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? So... Yeah, like you, you want to expand a bit on what Perforce, why that's so much, let's say, different. Like Perforce is pretty much the only really good solution for Unreal. It's just not cheap to use it commercially. Mm. Um, but it, it has the whole system where you actually can't work on the same thing at once. You have to check out files individually. Which makes it like it's great for for artists and you know and like getting John in on the project for Rooftop was was super easy because he couldn't be working on the same file as say George when he was programming. Um, but it does come with that limitation, which means only one person can be doing something at once. So if someone forgets to submit a file, then literally no one else can work on it because it's just kind of out in limbo. Mm. Whereas people yeah. more familiar with Unity will have something where they can sort of merge changes and individual files and makes it a bit more streamlined, but you have to know what you're doing yeah. when it comes to not working on the same file in a certain ways, I suppose. Mm. I think, I think but Kathy's be... right. It, it saves you, it saves you so much time at the end of the piece. Mm. Do it up front. Always mm. do it up front. I think another part that kind of ties into that, that would be important for people that are doing a game jam, especially remotely would be, how do you facilitate, communication between your yeah. team you know in mm. a in a almost like in a structured way um to be able to you know to plan and and sort of touch base and all that sort of stuff because when you're doing a game jab in in the same room you're all always there you can talk to each other you can plan impromptu you know in however way you want whereas 
remote, you almost have to schedule a session or you, you know, what, what are some ways that, that everyone here thinks is a, is a good way to sort of get that across? Well, Pat, Pat and I are actually going to be working together on this game jam. So <laughs> I think we've, uh, we've scheduled a video chat session, I think so far. Yeah, um, and we've also had our own kind of just discord chat where we've just been pumping you know it's probably 90% just memes and <laughs> jokes and stuff like that <laughs> and the occasional idea um, which is actually a good thing I think because it, it then sets the tone for the whole project because we don't know what we're doing yet but we know it's going to be fun because we're having fun in that chat already so yeah discord's good really good for communication and you can even put small files to each other yeah. but you probably need um something like google drive for documents like task lists mm. that you can both work on and mm. rearrange um, some people still use yeah. trello mm. yeah. um as as well as that um people can use collaborate in unity but you have to be you have to have a seat you have to pay for it um if there's more than a couple of you so um most people are outside the loop, so artists won't actually be putting stuff in the game. So, yeah, they desperately need to be able to usually make your own Discord server, for example, because um, Facebook chats, like, you lose, you can't have a string of messages. Mm. You need you need channels. Yeah. And and what, what level of, if any, documentation or, uh, you know, happens during a game jam, especially remotely? Quite a lot. Um, make sure you've got a document that you can collaborate on. Rearrange stuff. Um, some people, there's a lot of those um, pictorial ones. Still, people are still using Evernote. <laughs> yeah. um, but anything where you can uh, both work on it. Uh, yeah. Sorry, the team can work on it yeah. and put things in order and rearrange. And, uh, and yeah, so you need yeah. your communication. You need your collaborative documents, and of course, you need to have you know to be able to work on the game. And any uh, use of whiteboard software digitally? Is that something that that's a, that's use? another good way of um, of communicating? Yeah, it, it, it's less likely. It's good for brainstorming, mm. but when you're putting stuff in order and you're frantically rushing to get jobs done, you need a document that can, you can um, move around. Source of truth, kind of. Document. Yeah. And a little like specific tip, the thing I love about Trello is be able to set up basically a moderation deck. You know, who has to check the mm. thing you've handed off and moving that mm. asset on Trello so that person can go, okay, now it's my turn to look at this texture, look at this sound file, so on and so forth. And always be really clear who's the build dog. you got to have somebody who's accountable for making sure that they're regularly doing builds. Even on something as brief as a 48-hour, you should be doing one probably every two hours and making sure it's running on device. You know, I, I find that as as great as it is that people are working in Unity and Unreal and engines that are highly, highly polished and supported and maintained, the, the lessons from having to work on bespoke engines that were, you know, written by each company that I have to work in is that you never, ever trust anything if it's only running on PC. You have to make sure it's on disk. Whatever your target platform is, making sure you're cutting a build as frequently as possible to that and somebody is doing quality control on that build, checking mm -hmm. everything out, yeah. building it out, making yeah. sure it runs in memory. There's definitely some war stories, isn't there, about uh, not being able <laughs> to build on the Sunday afternoon. 
Mm. at 3 a.m. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somebody's texter is on their desktop, and they went on a holiday for three weeks. Now, that to me? Oh, yeah. Like in the game jam, you're trying to get it there by Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you think I, about it, like, what are the gates to go to there? What are the decisions you have to make? You really... I agree with you, Kathy. It's that communication and forecasting, making sure you're tracking well, and have fallback positions because you're not going to hit your deadline. You know, you're probably going to be crazy optimistic about what it looks like on day one, and then you're going to be very tired and exhausted by mid Sunday. And it's like, what's your fallback? What's what's yeah. the last build you did that was stable? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's probably worth remembering like what the game jam actually is, though, and that you don't need a shipped product to mm. console by Sunday night, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's a prototype, like, isn't it? Yeah. We got to think less. of it like a prototype. And mm. and I think and I'll, I'll read out this list in a sec. But I think what I found is a lot of like the let's say success stories that come out of game jams were never planned to be big projects. They never yeah. started out and they go, "We're going to come up with the idea, which is going to be the project we work on for the next two years." It was more just they had the freedom to play, kind of, and then they came up yeah. with something they thought was fun and cool, and oh, then yeah, afterwards gotcha. they they went, "All right, yeah, actually, this is cool. Let's keep working on it." Um, but at the end of the day, you got to hand it to somebody to have a go, right? Mm. Yeah, that's mm. that's right. Don't forget that's about right. that. <laughs> <laughs> so like, here's here's a quick time of what it would look like. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I'll read out this list quickly. Um, and I don't know the full story behind all of these. You guys might, so feel free to pipe in afterwards. But um, apparently, these games started out in game jams. Uh, we've got the Binding of Isaac. Uh, we've got Super Hot. Goat Simulator started out in a <laughs> internal game jam. Surgeon Simulator, keep talking and no one explodes. Uh, this one I liked. Uh, it's called Sesame Street, Once Upon a Monster. Uh, and this was from, uh, I think it's Double Fine, started mm. in one of their internal game jams. And it was never originally going to be a Sesame Street thing, but it's one of those things where it grew and eventually they got the licensing for it. So. Um, Towerfall, if you've ever played Towerfall or Towerfall Ascension. Super Time Force. Uh, and then, Alex, you had a couple notes about Hollow Knight. Did yes. Hollow Knight started in Game Jam, did it? It did, yeah. And um, to prep for that, I, I watched the uh, SA Game Developer Talks that um, Adam Daly runs and uh, Team Cherry. They were like one of the first speakers. So that's on YouTube. Um, there's a link to that to watch. But, yeah, they were saying how it started from two Game Jams, actually. there's They had a jam for the Ludum, Ludum De- I can never f- fucking pronounce Dari. it. Dar- Ludum yeah. Dari. Yeah. August, 2013, uh, it was called Hungry Night. Um, and then they had another game jam straight after that had the theme beneath the surface. They didn't end up finishing it, as you were saying. Um, and they combined the two together to make Hollow Knight. Yeah, basically Dead Space was an internal EA game jam as well. It was completely oh, was different it? than... Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like nobody nobody really got what they were going for. It was a very different genre for them. They couldn't understand it. And I think they used to call it the golden ticket is what this guy told me from EA. And basically because these guys had a good track record, I said, okay, you can you know, take a bunch of existing assets and stuff like that and whack something out. And I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page and it was described as a grassroots style project where the team wanted to prove themselves. Um, and yeah, in order to get the playable concept ready in time, the prototype was developed on the original Xbox hardware. And uh and really, really short burn from what I heard. It was like six to eight weeks just to get the first kind of what the control mechanic would be like. So it was wow. such a different control mechanic. But, I, you know, I think yeah. that, that happens, to be honest, at a studio level all the time. Like, there's this famous war story about when we finished the Star Wars Clone Wars thing I did, 
and um, I took a breather because it was a it was a you know really tough project. And I came back, and the team was already halfway through building what was basically like a rooftop renegade style thing with Yoda, and it was yeah. awesome. And it was existing assets, existing code, a whole bunch of stuff, you know, existing camera system, just to kind of see if we could do something for you know what was early kind of like mid core stuff at the time. And it was easily I, when they did an internal review at Chrome, it was the highest rated thing that that chrome had done from an internal standpoint it got the, wow. the biggest marks from all the people that played it in the studio and it was six weeks i think it was really short yeah right so my question with that and then these the list of games that um john's posted because i've haven't played most of these games um except sesame street once upon a monster i'm all across that <laughs> you know, uh regularly twitch streaming that one um uh is there a for everyone you know who's participated in this jam how is there a subconscious or conscious need to make a game that reinvents the wheel because you want to grab people's attentions in five seconds and it's almost like the atmosphere kind of encourages you to create something brand new and with those lists of games do they do something that the other ones don't um the one that you just mentioned the yoda renegade like game mm. is does that do something that <laughs> others don't that is like a you, you play it in three minutes and you're like, oh, this is different from anything else? Yeah, I think it's just that maybe I think Jetpack Joyride might have been out at the time. And that, and that was what they were thinking. I think for my advice is always, regardless if it's a game jam or not, um, you know, the team needs to conceptualize what you're going to get to really clearly. So it's good to say, well, here's the base. It's going to be like this. And then iterate out when one innovative direction, control, mm. camera, gameplay, replayability, whatever it is. Like find the one thing that's going to be your new pillar that expands what you're doing. Because if you're working in, towards, in a short sprint towards something where people kind of like get what the polish points are going to be on the rest of it, it makes it a lot easier. And then you never know. Like you suddenly find this whole new idea that then changes the structure of everything else. But at least you get there in a way where the team is kind of following. I always say the biggest difference between all of the media I've worked in in games is that, for example, if you read a script for a film, everybody understands what that's going to look like on screen because it's a 120-year-old language, right? Everybody gets it when they read lines of dialogue and see scene settings. If you do like a whiteboard thing of what your game concept's going to be, everyone's going to have a different idea what that is because games is such a robustly diverse market, you know? So I think it's always good to, like, do something that's a, within a kind of a genre that people get and then push it out in one interesting mm. direction. No, I have to thoroughly disagree with you, Dan. <laughs> oh, man, that's <laughs> cool. That's what it's here I, for. I really love the idea that in a game jam you go in with eyes wide open mm. and you just say, let's do this, and you might not even be able to use the engine you were going to use. You, mm. you want to do something completely different. Cool. Yeah. I think, yeah, as long as your, your, your prototype or the thing that you're creating does something, it conveys what you want. So, like... When you're designing a game, we all know that, you know, you might be focusing strongly on the mechanics or you might be focusing strongly on the aesthetics and your, your, your game jam game or your prototype needs to demonstrate that. So if your focus is on aesthetics and you're doing something new, you'll need to have some polished aesthetics in your piece, whereas the rest of the level can be, you know, outline. But if, you're, if you're, one of your highlights of your design is going to be your aesthetics, then you'll need some really nice polished pieces in that. You need to be able to communicate what the highlight of your design is or what you're focusing on or what you're doing differently or new or interesting to 
what are you bringing to the industry with your your piece? What's new about that? Mm. And I think it doesn't run counter to what you're saying, Kathy. I totally get mm-hmm. you. Like I'm always thinking, <laughs> I want to be able to get this in, into production. I want to prove a point and get somebody to put money on the table. That's just my background. But I think what Suzanne is alluding to is, you know, that again, that that core of the design. What is the experience you're trying to create and being very clear about that? And if it's like mm-hmm. a completely new, fresh, clean slate thing. Mm-hmm at least be clear, like Susanna saying, about what it's going to prove the value of the experience at the end of the jam. Is that is that about right in terms of what you're saying, Susanna, or am I? Yeah, yeah, make your, because you're, you're essentially making like a vertical slice, right, in the yeah. jam. You're making a player experience. But what is that player experience? Is it yeah. directly, like, what's impacting it the most? Is it some cool mechanic that you're putting in? Are you doing it in a different way? Do you have some really interesting aesthetics that totally change mm. A normal or a common game mechanic around and and change things is it something really interesting with your story like it needs to communicate that what you're contributing to yeah like like you look at xl1 what are the pillars that jay set out with or osmo which is a game i love you know is it sound you know is it physics yeah yeah Mm. i think it um it also depends on like what the goals are from your game jam because you can sometimes you can go in like when we started rooftop we did that global game jam 2018 and we were Mm -hmm. like let's make our first game and start it in a game jam (laughs) oh yeah she started out with that goal somewhat yeah like we knew we wanted to prove ourselves and make a cool game and all that sort of stuff whereas like this year um i'm kind of just like me and sean just caught up and we're like hey we want to make a game for our flip phone uh, let's just roll with that. That's cool. And then just ask yeah. Can I just say, and we have to say this because so now that I'm on that team, I joined the Discord and they were just talking about their flip phones. And then after that, they announced the theme, which is duality. <laughs> and they're talking about, so I have to make this very clear to our audience that we were going to do that before the theme. Yeah. <laughs> it's also oh, yes, worth mentioning you. these flip phones aren't Motorola Razors from 15 years ago. They're the. Um, but uh, it's the Samsung flip phones, yeah, right? Yeah. Samsung. Yeah. I wish it was the Motorola's. I <laughs> wish you were doing Hello Moto Jam. For the Z Fold, yowza. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't even know how much the Microsoft Thingo is. Like, yeah, it's like two, over two grand, isn't it? Expensive. Oh, my God. Jeez. <laughs> but that's like an actual advancement, whereas the ones we got are just kind of dumb. Like the flips, are, they're dumb thing. phones. They're just regular phones, but then they can be half the size. There's no point to it. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, was, it's interesting a, too. It's like if you yeah. think of the hyper casual market, forty eight hours is you know Yeah. <laughs> yeah, depending on depending on how fast those guys are going, like David I think cracks them out every two weeks. Like, yeah, like that's a that's a really interesting application. You know, yeah, trying yeah. to just take a hyper casual game to a flip phone. There, there's a there's a great forty eight hour goal right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I don't know if Pat you heard what Dan was saying before, but we've discovered the things that make companies and products work is the content on them. So if we're making really solid content for flip phones, we can push them to be the next big gaming content. Boom. There you go. We're raising the stakes now. Let's bring out that Nokia thing, the taco. Yeah, that's that right. like we'll make Snake 3. Let's do it. That's a really next cool point, John, about um, like the goal that you have though. Because like, like as, as well as making a game, like you might have a goal to you know, uh, participate in a group. It might be your first time working in a group or it might be the first time you've ever made a game or you might just want to do a game jam. It might be the first time you've ever been in a game jam and all of those things are 
perfectly valid goals too. It's not always about the end result or the thing that you make, but it's about the process. You might go, oh, look, you know, I, I'm really experienced in programming, but I want to try art and I've been really interested in 3D art and I've done these things and, you know, this is a chance to try it out and to give it a go. And it might be about that process as well, not just what does my end game look like, but hey, look, cool, I worked in a team and we built this thing and I've built these cool connections and I might want to work with these people again another time. And yeah, that, that process too is super, super important. It's kind yeah, of like your professional goals and then your personal goals. You know, you're, you're going yeah. in there, say you want to make a certain kind of, or your team wants to make a certain kind of game, but you personally, you want to work on your skills in this area or that area. Yeah. Yeah, the no, last game jam I was part of was the low res jam, which is basically where you have to make a game that's within 64 by 64 pixels. Um, <laughs> but there was no kind of limit on what you could do with the audio. So it was a good chance for me to kind of experiment and i i used it as the first time that i've ever got a voice actor in which ended up actually being my sister after <laughs> going through a few people but um but i there was a good chance to actually uh do voice acting which is something i've never kind of facilitated before um and i was also able to try a few different things with uh kind of dynamic audio with you know music being broken up into chunks where a chunk would play at each kind of checkpoint in the game and it was through doing that and then so i was working with uh hayden smith and uh james nelson uh he did the sound effects did they both did fantastic jobs um and one thing i discovered through that process is just the relationship between um this this music and the timing of the music and also the timing of the actual platforming like the game as a platforming game and how long it takes players to get from checkpoint to checkpoint. And it's this weird relationship that I've kind of never discovered in a, I guess, another environment in a bigger project, but having a small game jam, it was almost, it's almost like being in a lab. You just get to kind of break things yeah. and try things and mm. discover these really cool game dynamics. Yeah, it's like Susanna and I were talking about that, like being in uh, a certain kind of education environment that we're in, it's like there's such a focus on on students working a lot on their own projects as they go through mm -hmm. programs. And there's a reason for a lot of those requirements. That collaborative lab experience is the thing that I think is crucial as you get early career, uh, like you're saying, like you realizing what music meant to the other people that were doing components of the game. I think that's where as Costa alluded to, it's like I'm going to go into the game jam and I really want to like look at what my value is in, in working with people that I may not know that well. I think that's a really important personal goal. Yeah. Mm. Well, then um, Pat and I did the game jam. Like We studied together and our second year, like the entire second year, was we all had to work in a team. Um, mm. And that's kind of where we found that what you're talking about. We found our roles through there. Like we kind of just went, I want to do this. I want to do him and I were in different uh, teams in the classroom. But uh, yeah, the project was we had to make a game for Avcon. And mm. that's where I found out I want to be, I wanted to be an environment artist um, at that time. And because in my team, I was doing all the 3D art mm. um, along with James Hobbs, who was doing uh, like the props and stuff like that. And um, we'd known each other from that. And then Melonhead started after that. And then mm. that's how, we, so we did the opposite of like, we knew each other before going in, but that was the strength of knowing how each other, how we work on a personal level, but just also knowing what the skill and capabilities are. So yeah. we, we slotted in perfectly. Um, Pat and his team was the like level designer and producer, mm. but level designer. 
and like laying out all the stuff so knew what to expect knew about the snapping units inside of Unreal Engine which I wasn't too aware of I, I was just art just pump out art and then that was the learning experience in there and and mine was I knew that we would need a concept art which would be like my advice for this for, uh, out of everything for the jam is uh, if you have an artist on your team get them to make some even if it's really crappy even if it's just pen on paper or a whiteboard just get a concept art going so you you all have an idea of what you're working towards um even mood you know if it's nighttime if it's daytime yeah um, color it, color yeah exactly like we have one for rooftop um that i did in photoshop like in half an hour because i could mm. do that while george set up the mechanics for um a platformer the character designer set up the basics for the character uh, pat laid out the level we could all do that in tandem and then i go all right here's what it's going to look like work with pat who's the level designer does this all work yep cool all right everyone stick this photo up this is what we're all working on and that's yeah. really even to any game it's it's such an uh it's such a prized commodity of having a concept artist like if you have a like i i'm not a concept artist like but i just did it because we need in in the projects because we needed it and it works so well like it's, and that it's is, fundamental to me yeah. is silhouette color silhouette and color signature shapes and color uh, i see that in every production i've ever worked on Absolutely. You know, what what is the defining color palette and what are the shapes of playable objects of background pieces what are the proportions and to, it always comes down to silhouette for me you know the arms and legs on the characters if the characters of the human you know, all that stuff you're right you know and then just having that reference point is really helpful even in, in sprinting in a jam you know, and that that to me is like kind of aesthetic hygiene, going back yeah. to what Kathy said, you know, it's just like, you know, you need to know what your reference point is. And, and you know, I, I, every project I've ever worked on, you've always done that. There's always a style guide of some sort. Yeah, yeah definitely. And that first jam, um, you know, we thought we didn't have any time, like, you know, just rush in as quick as you can, like do everything as quick as you can. And then the next time we worked together, first thing we did is got dinner. And we just like brainstormed <laughs> ideas. We were like, just take it easy. And like, we were determined. We just, was just going to be fun and uh, stress-free, basically. Like, you know, they're always going to have some stress with it. But that's something I think that's different from your first jam to your other jams. Is first one, yeah, you right. think you don't have enough time to do anything. And then the second time is kind of realizing you have like all the time in the world. You don't, but you tell yourself <laughs> you have all the time in the world. Like It was just, like, it was like, First jam we had, it was uh, everyone up till like three, four, six a.m. Second jam we did was like taking regular walks around the Maya Center every hour and a half. Yeah, wow. and it was yeah. super humid. Do you remember that? It was like it was, <laughs> we it was again. <laughs> yeah, like there was like nonstop rolling thunder that night um, for the week. Basically, it just it was the most uncomfortable. The CDW came through with the AC. <laughs> mm. So, but, so um, Alex, like, did you did you enjoy one or the other, one process over the other? How did you feel at the end? Uh, well, I the first jam I stayed up for, I don't remember what it was. It was something like thirty two hours or something like that. And Pat always tells a story where he came back in, and like he could hear my wrist moving, like on the mouse. I'm moving super <laughs> slow. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly like that. Time. Yeah, like, and I, I had no idea of what I was doing and um, <laughs> full on hallucinating, getting back to the, like the hotel. We sat on Heinley street on this hotel on the top floor and the elevator's not working. And that was a story in itself. Um, no, definitely the second one I preferred. Um, okay. But that only, but 
the second one was the same as the first one, except it just had the experience of the first one. Like we knew, we knew what to expect coming out the other end. Like I don't mm. know if any of us had even really heard of a game jam or what to expect. So we knew, you know, this wasn't going to be the game that's going to save the world. It was, it was just a chance for us to learn and develop. And we ended up working with um, Adam Dowley, who we set that up like halfway through the jam. His game wasn't working out or something, and we were like, well we'd love animations on our project um so that was the thing of just learning how to adapt that that's why i liked the second jam was it was it was learning how to like because i'm very i can be very high strung um no. costa can yeah <laughs> costa can attest to that like i need a set thing of like how things are gonna i need planning i need all this stuff how it's gonna work i'm not very when it's it comes, stickler. I'm a stickler. Yeah, like I, on on a personal level, I'm I'm pretty like you know easygoing, or whatever. But when it comes to work, if it's if it's something that my name's going to be attached to or something like that, right, like right. It, that I'm that person that goes, this game's going to save the world. Like it has to be, and that's not a good way to. There, there's strength in that, but it's not, you know, it's not the way to be. Um, it's fi figuring out what you have to harness in it, and I, and I think a game jam distills that really quick. I think you figure out really yeah. quick yeah. who you what kind of person what kind of worker let's say you are you know yeah i always call it living in the land of done you know it's like <laughs> you know this isn't us sitting around gas bagging about it at the pub and then someday maybe wait come back and do something about it it's setting a really clear goal there's a whole bunch of unknowns that are always going to happen but at least trying as a team to understand what your outcome is at the end of it and all the change is in service of that as you go through it including walking away from it because it just doesn't work you know mm. yeah i think it's that's fun. an important line that you just said in service of it like, yeah, that's it's always that's about this. Really... You know, every time, again, going back to my many, many years of this, as soon as you get focused on your ego or winning a battle or getting over-focused on what the, uh, and I used to do this as a producer over time, what the client funding the project wanted, as soon as you lose sight as to what the gameplay experience is, and I always call it the contract with the player, you lose sight of that, you're in trouble. You know, what, what do I, and I always ask people that when they say, I got this idea for a game, you know, I got this idea for an NFT game is all I hear. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's great. You know, and, and I always say like what, it's described 30 seconds of the experience that your player's having, like really mm -hmm. simply, practically. And if they can describe it, it you can do it. If they can't describe it and they waffle around and they use a bunch of bud words, buzzwords, I'm off getting another slice of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm interested there. This is slightly tangential, but I'm very curious. Um, and you don't have to name any like specifics here, but in, in your experience, how, how often have you seen feature creep come into a game project? Oh, dear God. <laughs> Every time, man. Yeah. Look, the best, like I have to say, and, and huge props to Kim Forrest. Love them. The best, best, best game I ever shipped was Saturday Night Speedway. And it's because, mm. like, Ratbag did great racing games, and we had a racing game engine, and I had Dr. Mike, and I had Tony Albrecht, you know. Like, what a team. And everybody doing QA, everybody in the QA pit were all people who ended up being level designers when I was doing Star Wars stuff. Like, it was just such a good team. And we were really clear up front 
that we were going to do it on time and on budget because that's what Atari was paying us for. And that thing went through slick as, and I swear to God, it's the best thing I've ever shipped. Like my nephew still plays it, still loves it. It's, you know, it's a dirt track racing game, but it was a dirt track racing game that had a really, really clear objective in terms of what we want to do for the player. We added a different class of cars. We had a sponsorship system. We had all the stuff in it, but it was really clear. Every other game I've done always issues and always issues with usually it's a mix of an inexperienced client. Um, there's either somebody who has an agenda in terms of what they want to do with the product uh, that's personal to them, Disney, um, and get really tied up in what they think their quality points are. And I had this one really bad interaction with an exec at Disney where they were going to go show a build to the head of small screen production. And it became really apparent that the person who was the game producer at Disney, really just wanted to be doing kids' television. And so all the stuff she wanted in that build had nothing to do with the quality of the game. It had everything to do with what she could show off and impress this person. And it was a nightmare project, man. And it was constant feature creep, constant feature creep. Hundreds and hundreds of animations that had to run on iPad too. Like, no, you know. So right. it, 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 it really comes down to exactly like I'm saying, John, like if you're, as a team, you really understand the experience you're trying to create for your player. And I think this really echoes a lot of what Kathy and Susanna are saying as an artist. This is the thing that I want to express, and this is how it manifests in playable code. Focus on that and don't get hung up on like, but it's got to have, you know, replayability or, you know, this LOD system or this kind of dynamic lighting effect. I'm like, does it matter? It has to to be an open world experience. Uh, (laughs) I can't believe anyone tried to do an MMO. It has to be a Microsoft Xbox exclusive. It has to be fun for somebody. Uh, it has you, to be something. How do you manage that on a on a smaller scale, like in a game jam? You know, ownership. You, you really yeah. need to be like, dude. Like, take it from me again. I hate to bang on about it, but if it's music, if it's writing, if any collaborative project, somebody owns the vision, mm. and people are committed to the vision and are executing it within the lane that they have. And you got to mm. be clear. And you need respect. There's this old this book I read that I love called uh, Management Under Fire, and it was about running kitchens in New York. And it's like you can make fun of the sauce chef's boyfriend, clothes, uh, mannerisms, whatever, but don't make fun of the sauce. Their sauce is a part <laughs> of that meal and the reason the kitchen's open and the restaurant's successful. If you, they have the job and accountability of that, back it back it and then you know the master chef whoever the vision carrier is has to be given that you know uh, permission and it's often like in film it's the producer director relationship Mm -hmm. but i think with us it's like you know it's the game designer and a lot of the other people in the production team it's like they need to respect what the person's going for and commit to it and have a healthy dialogue when they come back to them it's like look i just don't think the way in which we're approaching it's really getting what we want let's talk about it and talk about it in an open and honest way and designers have to that's why designers really should be senior people have been through it a few times they have to be able to be objective and back off and say yeah this is crap i'm gonna walk away you know Mm -hmm. the best thing you can do is walk away from something that just isn't working and stop punishing your team yeah Yeah. i'm an old man (laughs) in saying that dan i could see you running a a kitchen in in uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) yeah look i'm I'm at the yeah yeah, i have to say i did i did do a hot dog truck was one of I was going to say, the so amount of jobs Dan's universe. brought up <laughs> this episode, oh, yeah. he's definitely done it. Like in New York? 
yeah. Like one of those. The, what are they called? It starts with an S, and they got the blue and yellow. Sabret. Yeah, you did one of those. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> dope. Sabrets. Yeah. That's so good. It was uh, right next to a rail line, and uh, and it was near a landfill in suburban New York. And all the guys who are the dump truck drivers, and they were the pickiest eaters you've ever met. Like, you know, this guy would be like, how many bits of sauerkraut on his hot dog? Just right. Because he was paying for a meal. He wasn't going home and cooking. And he wanted premium service. Yeah, it was great. It was great. I smelled like hot dogs for months and months and months. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I wanted to do a game. I, I still might do it. I was thinking about it for the game jam, but duality might be hard. I'll, I'll basically... Hot, hot dog vendor simulator but like <laughs> basically food truck simulator thing but like That's just cool. within the thing of a game jam but have the mechanic of I don't, there was like this lemonade game i think 15 years ago that everyone made a copy of and it was like oh you had to like prep your ingredients for the day this was the weather it was going to be pretty hot um it, it might rain so okay i need this many cups this much that and then you like let the day run out and you sell this much lemonade and like customers hate your recipe and stuff like that. And it was going to be like a play on that, but basically like, uh, you know, it, it couldn't be done in a game jam, especially by one person. It's too complicated, but stuff like, um, oh, okay. You have a, you know, there's a parade downtown, right? So you go, oh, okay, cool. I'll set my truck up downtown. But then you go, oh shit, that's actually blocked traffic off to a different area. So it's actually cost you this kind of stuff. And there's like, the consequences of of, of food truck, a hot yeah. Dog stand. yeah, yeah, yeah. But instead That's of managing cool. one, you you like you know, it's the the map, the isometric map. You're doing it from a that I hadn't thought about that in ages. But you saying that in the context of this conversation of a game jam, it just reminded me of I really want to work on that. Now I have a character. I have you as the lead. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, you accidentally sent your hot dog truck up at the vegan festival. <laughs> We're all gonna start picketing you. Dan's the subject matter expert on this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. I, I can tell you, like how 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 not to cook a hot dog. That's for sure. <laughs> how, yeah, many times where I was just like, which side are the ones that I put in the water first? Because I was trying to. Uh, oh god! And I know there are a few times guys came back and it's like this thing is raw. Yeah. Anyway. Oh my god. Uh, Actually, flashbacks. sorry, this is such a side note, but you just reminded me. There was this. There's a whole bunch of YouTube videos of people in New York who have like different food trucks, and there's this one I always. And I love to watch them. Like they're so like inspirational. Like doesn't matter what kind of line of work you're in, you know. Toughest job on earth, man. Yeah, and they all have those stories, you know, and they're all like, you know, some of them are veterans, so they get the pass that they can have the, their license for free, and they have to worry about where they're going to park it, and they're going to get their spot. And there was this one guy, and he was saying he's been in the same spot for. I think it was like 13 years and it was like one day he didn't do it uh but he was there every day he had to miss his grandma's funeral because of it um and then so what i did i went on google street View. he says in the video he's like i set up on you know it's america so they're like this street and that street and i go there on google maps and google maps has that feature where you, you can go back in time and he's yeah. there at every time <laughs> and you see his like car change wow. model but he's still in the exact same spot since like they started taking those Google Maps photos up until the Street View photos <laughs> until recently. It's so wholesome. Oh, inspiration comes from anywhere. I, th I think that's I think that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Like when you go into a game jam, you can make a game about anything as long as it's a, f yeah. like a fun experience. Yeah. You know? And and you know, like you're saying, Alex, it's great because everyone can relate and visualize, you know, hot dog cart. You know, yeah. it's like you instantly have an expectation going into that what that's going to be about. You know. Yeah. yeah. And it's great. It's it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. 
And we don't even have any hot dog carts here. Yeah, and we all know who had a, what a hot dog cart. Yeah, is. it's funny. It's like it's like I think they try to get rid of all the burger trucks in Midtown, and God knows what they're going to do now. Like every time I go into the city in the past month, it's dead empty. I was in there today to see Spider Man, and there was like five people in the theater. Oh and, wow, you know, it was weird. <laughs> all the all the breakfast joints were full, which was funny. But everything yeah. else, streets were empty. Nobody was shopping. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we're really digressing here. Yeah. How, to, how to make a game about, hey, let's pitch Sandy for sure. How to make a game about getting people back into the CBD. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Isn't bad that idea. basically what that creative chat creative is? Basically, basically. Looking at the time, we will actually have to wrap this up. Otherwise, it probably won't let us export the file properly. <laughs> <laughs> This <laughs> is. However, before we go, why don't we go through everyone? And if you've got one piece of advice for people going into the game jam, what is it? Um, let's start with Costa. I'm just looking at my screen. The order of people here. Um, I'd say being a remote uh, game jam. Just make sure you're communicating and set up those points across the weekend to touch base and ensure that yeah you're, you're keeping in contact when when there's key things happening and yeah just just make sure everyone's aware of what's going on yeah. Can I, um, awesome. i'll build on that one as well like video calls are really important i mean <laughs> now with remote jams and everything like uh, the loudest people are still going to be the loudest people. The quietest people are still going to be the quietest, but you might not notice if you're not all in a call where you can see and see if someone needs to talk or something like that. Mm. Um, to make sure that, yeah, having the touch points, as Costa said, is important. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Alex? Uh, um, I'm, I'm going to stick with the concept one. Like, um, whatever you decide on the day, like well well two things one like you know as, as people said in the discord have a you know have a break and the first thing is i would say is don't do anything at the start just plan everything out so you know a notepad concept basically of just what you're going to do but then an art concept of just visually and dan, dan said what the colors are what the shapes are there's an awesome website i use as a developer for um websites called um coolers so it's spelt like colors like the american spelt mm. colors but two o's and it, you can just generate different color palettes it's it's, it's, it's six so different good. ones it's so, so good um mix that with another website called uh low spec which is uh, a whole bunch of pre-made palettes that are made for pixel art um so if you're making a pixel art game it's it's very overlooked color palettes like colors just don't work some don't work together um so you know, using those kind of tools to your advantage, but get a color palette out first, get shapes out, um, just spend an hour doing it, have dinner, do that. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. All right, Susanna, you got anything for us? Um, I think, think of it as a learning experience. So it's about the process, not the end result. I think like we always think about things, what am I making and what does it look like? But like when you're making something, you're learning all this stuff and like you know i know i'm a lecturer so that's why i'm saying that but it's about what you're learning as you're doing it that matters and like i always say like i'm a professional failure failure and failure because like <laughs> i fail at things all the time but that's how i learn like what not to do and so like even if you make a game that, a prototype that you think is the biggest failure like i guarantee you you've learned like 600 things in that process so 
you probably learned more than someone who made a successful game. So the experience, not the the journey, not the destination, right? That's it. You're showing up. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Pat, you're next on my list. Do you have anything else or was that yours before? It was basically mine just adding to Costas, really. <laughs> yeah. No, awesome. I thought that was a good point. <laughs> no, that was good. If, if you missed it, go rewind and go listen to Pat's answer again. <laughs> uh, Kathy, you're, you're next. Yeah, um, there's a quite a big one. It's don't change other people's creations. So <laughs> if you've asked an artist to give you something, don't say, oh, it's got too much purple. Um, it's a gift to the team. It's, they've made their music. They've made their art. It's not up to you to change it. They're not employees. We're all team members together. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Cool. And Dan, if you want to wrap us up, what's your advice? Yeah, look, first be kind to yourself and be kind to everyone else. Like as Susanna said, mm. it's about this journey you're about to undertake. You're going to work on a team. You're all there because you love making games and you want to inspire somebody like somebody inspired you. So just be good to yourself. Be respectful and, and set yourself up to to you know to get to get somewhere in it so that you know you may not get something that you're going to ship or upload to HIO but but you want to get to the point where you really feel like you've accomplished something and you've learned something from it yeah yeah that's awesome that's awesome all right we'll have to wrap it up there thank you everyone for joining us tonight Dan Kathy Pat Susanna Alex Costa uh, this has been Cafe Bullions the Game Jam special um, and if you're doing the Game Jam uh, good luck with it uh, Post what you're doing in both the uh, Game Jam Discord, I guess, and and the Adelaide Game Developers Discord. Uh, we might comment on it next time. Uh, we'll be around. And otherwise, you guys will have a great fortnight. Catch you later. Thank you for having me. See you. See you. Bye. Bye. Bullions is hosted in Adelaide, South Australia. If you know of anything happening or would like to reach out to us or have a chat, you can find us on Twitter at LiveBullions or by emailing us at hello at LiveBullions.com.